fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal, paving your way and acting as your lead blocker to fantasy excellence, glory, championships, all that good stuff you're craving, we'll give it to you. And then some, it's July, we did a marathon podcast yesterday, well not podcast, live stream, I'm going to turn it into some podcasts in the next week or so. Um, We're about to do the same thing again, we're going to run back. The Wolves fantasy football projections for the entire AFC. I'm not kidding. Like the whole thing, 16 teams. Um, conservative. We said, oh, hour and a half yesterday went like two and a half instead. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we might be a little tighter than that today, but not much tighter. Uh, but there's a ton of information here. I'm going to call the Wolf out for some of his inconsistencies, uh, which actually he had a pretty good explanation for a lot of them. One of me cleaned up today that I was just yeah. going to hammer him for. And, uh, you know, he preempted. I'm still we're still going to talk about it as if he didn't clean it up. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm your host. Now the truth. Jonathan with me, as always, the wolf of Roto Street himself. We're about to kick off the AFC North. How you doing? Anything different in your life since yesterday? No, not in like the seven hours since we just did our marathon yesterday. I just missed talking to you for three hours in a straight you know, shoot here. So ready to be back, ready to fire this up. Got some people messaging in that, uh, you know, Alan Caps was a regular and a few regulars. are like, oh, I didn't realize you were doing the series. Caught it last night, caught the restream, so I'll be here today. So hopefully we see some regulars. Let us know if you're here in the chat. It was great to see you know Kevin Rice and some of the regulars in there. Let us know. If you're just catching us for the first time, please consider subscribing. If you like what you hear after the fact, uh, consider giving us that thumbs up to help us continue to grow and spread the RSJ love, baby. Uh, but no, I love this one, and I don't think we need much of an intro because we saw how long yesterday went. We might as well get <laughs> right into this thing, huh? All right, let's give the people what they want. We're going to get right into it. The Super Bowl. Uh, Bengals. I mean, you know, these guys were playing for the big game not that long ago, came out of nowhere. So I mean, wild. <laughs> still kind of weird to think about that the Bengals right, were in the Super is. Bowl. Uh, and so let's talk Bengals. Go ahead, Wolf. Yeah. So as you can see, you know, despite being, we've noticed this trend a bit on some of the best teams in the league. You think they must just be crazy offenses and they are, they have the talent, they put up the yards, but it actually usually doesn't come at a huge amount of plays. You can see here, I actually have the Bengals going minus 38, the league average uh, in in total plays. And that's pretty in line with what we've seen under Zach Taylor, minus 44, minus 26. So they run fewer plays. They're just so damn good with the ones they do. And then they can bleed out the clock and all that good stuff. So I think that's just a common misconception. You think the the high-powered Bengals with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase must be just chucking the the, the lights out of the stadium, right? But no, it ends up being uh, usually the opposite effect that we often see. Uh, So I have them a a little less than league average in terms of plays, 57% pass, 43% rush. Um, And that gives you a pretty decent enough pie because this pie is so very concentrated, which we can now get into. I love the concentrated pie. I love how we run this pie thing. Also, just for the record, because we did just go through 16 teams yesterday, so I got a little context now. 57-43 is actually a pretty big discrepancy when you're talking run pass. It's one of the bigger ones we saw. I think I only saw one team above 60. So anything... Anything up around there, that's a pretty substantial difference, uh, at least compared to the NFC teams we went over yesterday. 
you want to talk about some discrepancies or do you want to just get right into your guys? Well, yeah, let me know where they pop up. I'll get into the guys and you can let me know as I rave about them. If you're like, you're sucking off Joe Mixon, but you only have him here. I don't expect that to be the case because I love Joe Mixon. So I imagine they're always unapologetically love Joe Mixon. It's true. It's true. And it's finally been coming into fruition. And the best part about him is the price doesn't go up. He's still going in early to sometimes even mid round two. I'm seeing him fall, which is crazy. I'm at 68% of the rush share. He was right around that last year. And so even though it's not the biggest of ground pies, as you just hinted at, 290 carries is what that amounts to. That would be towards the top in the league and running back carries. And I think Mixon will see that. He's a true bell cow, though. I mean, you know, it's not it's not a huge running offense but the running that they're doing is from this guy exactly and the one thing that got annoying midseason and as you can see as I, i'm looking at the backfield here he is so good on third downs but they started to take him out quite a bit for samaj p ryan and now they're saying chris evans is going to be the favorite for the third down role so Captain yes exactly oh yeah uh so i do like evans as like a last round stab in case everything does happen to mix and we saw p ryan put up you know 20 something points so whether it's p ryan evans that's a handcuff that you want to pay attention to. You don't necessarily have to draft unless it's a best ball and you want to take him in your last couple of rounds. Okay, sure. Uh, but ultimately, Mixon still, you know, 290 carries. I think he'll be nice and efficient with it. I actually bumped up his career yards per carry. We talked about this yesterday as I typically will go right around their, their average unless there's a big change. And the biggest change for the Bengals, I want to hint at that. We didn't really even talk about Burrow yet. We went right into the running backs. They have the best offensive line by far they've had in as long as I've been watching football. This line is enormously upgraded. You know, Collins coming over from um, Dallas last year. Joe Tooney at guard. They draft, uh, you know, they drafted a first rounder just a couple years ago. He's really coming into his own. I, there's a there's a two other moves they made, but they there was one side of the line that was pretty solid last year, and then one side that just got as you saw Van Donald decimated time and time and time again. The right side, and they've made humongous upgrades with Tooney with Collins, and they also upgraded their center. His name's escaping me off the top of my head right now. Uh, but either way, if you looked at the pro football focus grades, like it was an insane leap in talent. So I could see them going from, a, you know, they were ranked bottom 25 in lines last year, which is just crazy to make the Super Bowl like that. But now I could see them leaping, honestly, into like the top 10. We saw that happen with the Browns a couple of years ago when they just heavily, heavily invested in it. And suddenly they had a top 10 line and they were starting to steamroll teams. So I, I really am excited about what that means for Mixon, what that means for Burrow. And I don't think people are talking about it nearly enough what this offense could look like if Burrow actually has time to sit back there and just let those routes. We saw it firsthand. The Super Bowl, he right? did not have last year. I mean, this guy was running for his life. Well, that and that might have been the difference between them winning and losing the game. Because if you remember that, like one of the last plays of the game, Jamar Chase dusted Jalen Ramsey. He had the step on him, but Burrow had already gotten hit and gone down. If they had just held it maybe a second longer, we could have been talking about a different Super Bowl champion. So between Mixon, between Burrow, and, and also, of course, the receivers as ancillary benefits of having some more time to develop those deep routes. I am just all in on this attack, even at lesser than average volume. I, I think they're just going to explode. Me too. So, I love it. And there's such fun stacks also if you happen to like land uh, one of those. I mean, I know that just that hits you in a certain kind of way. I know. I'll tell you that. No, no, no. <laughs> and we're early in the pod, too. We're seven minutes in. Uh, Jamar Chase, obviously, you've got him. I want to say you have him three on your wide receiver list, uh, both yep. projections and in uh, you know your big board. A uh, slight discrepancy on T. Higgins. You actually have him projected to produce wide receiver eight numbers, but you got him down at twelve. So a little surprised uh, uh, by that. 
Uh, Again, I can't tell exactly if I'm surprised by how high you had him projected or by the fact that you weren't willing to take a little bit of a higher stab on the big board. And honestly, maybe I do. He's not a guy that I am lower on his ability or anything of that nature. You know me. I've loved loved T. Higgins Higgins forever. You've loved T. Higgins forever. He actually outscored Jamar Chase over the second half of the season. Oh, yeah. If you take out Jamar Chase's 55-point effort, which is you can't play that game. No, you can't play that game. Wins you the title in that week. So you can't play that game. But he did. Higgins It was just as good, if not better, for a good half of the season than Jamar Chase. So these guys are both elite. I do have 25% going to Jamar Chase, 22% going to Higgins, 144-127 respectively. I do just think Jamar Chase can do a little bit more, 17 yards per reception compared to 14 and a half. Both of those numbers Higgins are, is a monster, though. Come on. <laughs> they're both monsters. I mean, realistically, like, I, I do think Jamar Chase is the better player. In fact, he might be the best receiver in the league in the next couple of years. Maybe. But Higgins is really just – it is it is if, – if Chase wasn't so good, it would be a much clearer 1A, 1B, which it was – a lot of last year. I do think that it kind of flipped in the playoffs. You saw Chase kind of emerges that alpha, whereas Higgins was a, a good number two. I mean, and you so, agree that T Higgins on, you know, not on this team, on just about any other team in the league, like 75, 80% of the other teams in the league, he's the wide receiver one. I mean, the Packers right, passed right? up T Higgins to draft Jordan Love. Imagine if that had flipped back <laughs> and he was the number one for the Packers right now. Like he, he well, he'd be number him. one for three fourths of the teams in the league. I, I don't, I don't see a difference. I mean, Adams is one of the best receivers in the league. I think T Higgins would put up like 90% of what Devonte Adams does. If he was so the number I. one with green Bay, he is just that nasty. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it, we're raving about two guys that everybody, I know, really I know. Where this are, these are not hot takes. Hey, we think Chase and Higgins are good. No wide receiver three. It's just one of those things you're seeing Chase go like, you know, top five in best ball drafts. And it at first seems a little rich, but he is the type like, if you had Chase last year in week 17, the guy that won the best ball mania had Chase. He's the type of guy that has those spike weeks. So if you're doing a tournament, like, at first, like, nah, you can't have Chase, but there's very few people, if maybe only Chase, that can just score 50 points. Like it is a very, very rare list. Granted, T. Higgins the week before that had put up 35 or something himself. So it, it is just one of those offenses that it's not enough volume that each one of them is going to be a clear number one every single week. But more often than not, like there's going to be plenty of weeks when they both are top 15. Is going to be more often than not that that's going to be the case. So I love both those guys. I would be more than happy with either as my number one, including Higgins in round three. I I've been scooping him up everywhere that I can get him in round three. To me, it just doesn't leave much meat on the bone for Tyler Boyd. Sixteen percent target share, ninety-two targets, uh, a decent catch rate as the slot guy. Eight oh four and four. It's like it's usable. He'll have a couple twenty-point days mixed in there. His real upside comes, and the reason I am still drafting if something happens to either Higgins and Chase. We've seen top 15 seasons out of Tyler Boyd when he was the number one. He can shoulder heavy workloads. So he, to me, he's like the ultimate wide receiver handcuff with benefits type of situation here. Should anything happen to those other guys? Because it is a healthy pie. I mean, we didn't even talk about over 5,000 yards. No, the I think pie's that's the healthy. The that pie's that healthy. is the most in the league I have for anybody right now is Joe Burrow. 5,181 yards, 38 touchdowns. That is a, a lot to happen on, again, 564 attempts. Not the most in the league. That's just how impressed I am. And that's why I bumped his completion percentage up to 73% because of the offensive line. I just really think people are not considering it. Everyone's calling for regression from Burrow. Whereas I'm like that uh, regression from Burrow from those, a lot of people, oh, we're all tainted from the fantasy playoffs where Burrow went crazy. 
I mean, I would, I'm not going to say he's going to do that for 16 straight games. He was averaging almost 500 yards a game. But with this line, like, I wouldn't be shocked to see him consistently putting up those top five numbers. He had like a pretty, if you remember last year, like mediocre year until those last three weeks. And then he just went, but yeah, but if he doesn't get hurt, he's going to be great. And that's the other part of it is he came into the season a little bit sluggish. The first seven weeks, he ended up averaging, you know, mid QB two numbers. And then from like the mid season on when he finally, he was coming off a brutal surgery. When he finally had that like fully healthy, he went crazy. So ultimately now that he's fully healthy entering the year, he's not rehabbing. That's a really good point. Like I, I am very excited about that for sure. The, the, you know, Hayden Hurst, I have him catching six touchdowns just because it's such an explosive offense. Good luck figuring out what weeks those come in. You remember Uzuma, like he had, I think, five to six last year. Three of them came in one week, and then you didn't hear from him for five weeks. But he had a nice playoff stretch, too. So, like, it's yeah. not – he's draftable, Hayden Hurst. I certainly wouldn't want him as my top tight end because I think he's going to be a little bit unpredictable. But he is athletic, and, you know, when he was used extensively just a couple years ago, he was a top 15 tight end. So, he's draftable but to me obviously you know it's we're not saying anything too new it's a very concentrated pie Higgins Chase Mixon all should go in your top two at worst you know round three for T Higgins rounds and and Burrow should be a top six quarterback off everybody's board well obviously we're not going to talk this long about every team but it's like kind of like how we talked about the Rams there's some teams we really like talking about yeah (laughs) look at these guys like you know I'm looking at some of the other teams in this division I'm like I don't have anywhere near as much stuff to say nah about these guys and (laughs) on that note let's move on to the Steelers Nah, speaking um, of, right, speaking, not a lot to speak of. <laughs> not a lot of sex appeal, folks. No, this is not your father's Steelers. This is the 2022 Steelers, led by dot dot dot. Who? <laughs> Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky. Oh yeah. <laughs> Backed up by the very capable Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so- a lot to be excited about in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it, Pittsburgh typically is an offense you want to get excited about, even with a corpse of Big Ben. You can see here. Always above league average. That minus 85 was a year Big Ben got hurt. But, you know, consistently hovering over 55 plays. So volume has typically been on your Steelers' sides. I, I think the offense might slow down a little bit when you have Mr. Pesky. I don't know that it will come this week. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes <laughs> we put on Facebook, like, uh, you know, some quotes you had. You said something like, I, somebody put it up. I don't know if you or CJ put it up. But it was like uh, something you said about the Vikings yesterday. Like, yeah. Vikings are the team I'm going to run with. Something like that. I think you should – Tomorrow's quote should be like an offense. You know, you, you could expect their offense to maybe slow down a little bit with Mitch Trubisky. I mean, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> That's your hot take of the day. Hot take Holy of the shit. day. Seriously. I, I don't actually hate Trubisky probably as much as you do and as much as most. No, I don't. Are. I actually, I'm, I'm not a huge hater, but I mean, I'm not expecting big things. I mean, he got 11 wins on a Matt Nagy led team. And we just saw what a d- dumpster fire a Matt Nagy led team is. I'm not willing to just write Trubisky off completely here. And if any team's going to kind of rekindle that, I do think Tomlin, they, they have a good track record. Obviously big Ben was you know a monster, but I, I think this is just a well-run organization, a good leader of men. So if Trubisky is going to ever revive himself, this is a good place to do it. So I'm, I'm actually not ruling out drafting Trubisky, certainly in two QB leagues. I, I, I like him in super flex. He has some real upside because he can also run. As you can see here, I have him for, you know, 62, 40 and one, on the ground, that's not too bad. Uh, but I do have this going 75 to Trubisky, 25 to Pickett, because that's the one risk with drafting him is I do think at some point it becomes the Pickett show. It just is a matter of when. And right now they are saying Trubisky has the early lead in camp, and that's why I went 
75 25 because i think they'll be competitive with trubisky yeah, he's not the type of guy you bring in and you're just like no this is our guy like no one's no, no one's no. saying that they're like yeah it's like if we, he was they we, wouldn't he have signed drafted. mitch trubisky is what they, they said we he's exactly. on our roster he, he's he's our quarterback currently yeah so we can move on because he again, sure. probably won't get drafted in most leagues but i just want to highlight there is a little bit of upside here trubisky he was a top 12 quarterback in that 11 win season i'm referencing so i mean there's something there because he can well, run Two, two things. Tunes times uh, chimes in. Uh, zero pick sixes for Trubisky, which we've discussed at length in this podcast. Right? Even, even though I feel like I can remember four or five. Exactly. Um, I was live for one. Does that trend stick? Let's talk right right now. We don't have to spend long on this. What do you think? What you think he's going to have zero pick sixes after this season? I think he. I mean, history will continue itself. Okay. I, he actually, when I looked at his historic numbers, he averages only around two point five percent interception rate. Like he seems right. so careless and and chuck and gunslingy. He's not really like again. I think Trubisky's going to prove some people wrong this year uh, and come turn out to be one of the better quarterbacks. And I wouldn't be shocked if people are kind of hitting the waiver wire after week one or two. We get two good games out of him, and, and Trubisky becomes a viable quarterback for as long as he's starting. I really do think that's the situation that plays out here, um, which, which kind of blows my mind. Well, whether he's good or not, we're we're saying zero pick sixes. Also, Tune says Najee regression still an RB one. I do not see him being top five again. Let's talk about the running backs in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, volume, volume, volume. That's how it's always been since, I mean, even like Willie Parker way back in the day with Mike Tomlin, but especially with Le'Veon Bell and the receiving usage. And we saw that we were all in on Najee Harris as a first rounder last year and ended up being a top six running back. It panned out to perfection. I have him right again in line with that. He had about 70% of the work last year. I have him going down a little bit to 69%. Still a nice, healthy 295 carries, a nice 15% target share. They've never... We saw Le'Veon Bell seeing 20% target shares at certain points. So, I mean, that could even get bumped up. Well, now Le'Veon Bell's boxing. Yeah. Adrian Peterson's going to whoop his ass. I hope. We'll see. I I think, I think Peterson probably will, but I I don't know. I mean, man, how the mighty have fallen, huh? Anyway, sorry. That's my thing. (laughs) So Najee Harris, as you can see with volume, wasn't overly efficient last year. I'm not going to suddenly, you know, he, he was under four yards a clip last year. I think that stays the case. Their line did improve, but they're not that much better. Where, where he does a lot of his damage is the receiving. We kept talking about you know, two times, 2.5 times as valuable the receptions. He's got him for 74. That's going to go a very long way. Oh, yeah. I guess the one thing I am nervous about, though, you're 437 and four on the air, nine touchdowns and nearly 1,200 yards on the ground. Like, I, it's a beastly season, top six season. But I am just a little bit worried. About the weight pictures, he looked pretty fat. Did you see that picture? A little bit, yeah. He, like it looked like <laughs> Jerome Bettis, and if that was good weight, like I, it was tough to tell because it was a pretty loose shirt on him. If he just got like humongous and jacked, and he's in the next bus, okay, maybe I could be interested. But I never like to see like that amount. I think he said he gained like twenty pounds in the off season. Those are Eddie Lacy numbers. I was just gonna say, is this Eddie Lacy two I I don't think so. But just something to monitor. Like right. if, if the training camp we'll buzzed, keep on the scales. Really sluggish. Like it was very clear when Lacey got fat and was sluggish. And we just did like everybody didn't jump off the train because like it's Eddie Lacey. He'll get it together, right? Man, uh, you used to love Eddie Lacey. Oh, the best. God, <laughs> you really did. You did. <laughs> he, had a, he had a tweet. Uh it, it was from like 10 years ago, but somebody like retweeted it recently and said, like, is this you? 
It was about having like a warm hot dog in his pocket in the middle of class. <laughs> and, and he was like, is this you? And Eddie Lacy retweeted. was like, yeah, I ate that three days after winning the national championship, my third title at Alabama. What about you? What have you done? And it was like, all right, I love you. Like, that was great. Um, but Eddie Lacy. So I know. Shout out your- to Eddie Lacy. Let's talk receivers. Yeah, Deontay Johnson. Deontay you know, Johnson's always going to be a little bit sexy, no matter who his quarterback is. Dating back to 2013, there's only been one season, so when Big Ben got hurt, that a receiver, the number one receiver for the Steelers, didn't see 150 or more targets. So you know, Deontay Johnson, everybody seems to always want him to regress. But at the end of the day, he's slippery. He's a great route runner. He's playing the Antonio Brown role as like, a yeah, he's not Antonio Brown, certainly not prime Antonio Brown, but he does a lot of the same things very well. And, oh, it was chemistry with Big Ben. He's not going to be able to get it done. Please. Big Ben sucked. If you're if you're trying to tell me the fumes of that arm or what made Deontay Johnson, you got to give me a break. Like, some of those throws, yeah, sure, maybe a little chemistry were involved. But Deontay is a great nah, second. he did that despite Big Ben. Come on. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a – you know, I have him right around what he's been doing so far as an NFL career. There's probably a ceiling for even more. I, I really don't see much of a, a downslide. To, to him at all because the quarterbacks have to be upgrades at this point. What was interesting yeah. to me was uh, how well Claypool ca- kind of came out my projections. Yeah, and you have a discrepancy with Claypool here, actually. You actually, I, the last I checked, which was yesterday, you have Claypool as your 39th wide receiver as far as uh, numbers go, but you only have him ranked 48th. Yeah. So yeah, like he's 50. another of those guys that where it's like you did the numbers, but you were just like, eh, I'm not 100% confident in this guy. and i've i've had him both <laughs> season so it is tricky because as a rookie one of the most explosive guys you know had a a three touchdown day a four talk about 40 point days i mean he has that type of upside we've seen it i but last year was so inconsistent and sluggish yeah. and annoying so i'm just kind of I've, I've middled it out there where if he does what he does you know these are low numbers for him so i, I tried to find that kind of middle ground between the floor and ceiling which admittedly is both are much higher like than this middle ground. I don't think it's going to be 884 and 5. I think it's going to be either a lot more or a lot less. We will find out uh, what it is. But I certainly think last year I could give him a pass on playing again yeah. with the, the husk of Big Ben. Like literally just could not move the ball beyond 10 yards. So Claypool, of course, a deep threat is not going to benefit from that. Trubisky, you know, for nothing worse, the guy can sling. And it's not always the most accurate of deep balls, but he can get it down the field. So I am intrigued to see what Claypool does. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of, of pie left for uh, any of the other receivers. You know, there's talking about not putting a lot on Pickens' plate as a rookie. I think dynasty-wise, he's a, he's a monster. I don't. Anthony Miller has never been a thing. I'm not interested in him. But I do like our guy, the Fry. Big fan of Fryermuth. You are a huge fan of Fryermuth. You come by he, that honestly, though. I well, one I, again, I work with his parents, so that's always pretty damn cool. Um, and, and two, I think the guy's a baller. I mean, especially in the yeah, red zone. He is a beast. Six, six. He's a top ten, 10 guy. Yep, he's a he top ten. I, I don't know if he came up in my projections that way, but I I have him ranked top ten for I'll sure because I feel I really good about. Him. Yeah, where, where where did he project uh, in that list? You have got Fryermuth as tight end number ten. Hey, there and you go. Your, and your projections have him at nine, so you're right around there. Right around where he's at. So yeah, eight touchdowns. I don't think anything about that's unfair. Um, 607 yards. So again, like the yardage will come to the receivers and they'll get into the red zone and Fryermuth will just do his damage. No Eric Ebron there. Not that Ebron was nibbling too much of his cheese, but it's just another guy that's on the field taking snaps. And, yeah. and Fryermuth was only at about like 65 to 70% of snaps most week. I think that evolves to near a hundred this year with no Ebron. And that's just going to be another chance for him to catch, catch the ball and make plays. So yeah, I, I like, 
I kind of like the Steelers just in general. I mean, obviously, Najee Harris. Well, we talked about him more than I thought we would. Yeah, they, they ended up just because I, I guess I like Trubisky more than most people. So I, I still believe in Deontay doing what he does. I think Najee, as long as he's not too fat and becomes the next Eddie Lacy, should be fine. And I like Friar Muth to haul in a bunch of touchdowns, and we'll see. Claypool just came out a lot better than I thought he would in my projections, and, and I got to start reconsidering where I have him ranked. And who did Mitch Trubisky get drafted over? Uh, it was uh, Pat Mahomes, right? right. Yes. Pat Mahomes right. and Deshaun Watson. Well, uh, who knows how that one will turn out, but – Correct. Yeah, at the time, looked terrible. All right. Speaking um, of Deshaun Watson, and we're not actually going to be dis- – well, maybe we might discuss him a little bit, but the team that he could theoretically be on one day, the Cleveland Browns, this is a pretty unsexy team in my opinion. Hideous. Um, certainly, you know, you take Watson off it, and he probably deserves to be off it. But, uh, man, I already turned down, <laughs> turned down a 12-game suspension. Now, also, like – I don't fundamentally understand that. Do you get to turn down suspensions as a player? Like, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, I, I don't get it. I, I like if they want to suspend him for 12 games, suspend him for 12 games. Because yeah, you get that, to be like, no, I don't accept that. I'm going to be playing. I think it was like presented as kind of like a, almost like a plea deal. Like, oh, like an admission of guilt kind of or something Type like of that. thing, right? And, and so now he's sticking to his guns and saying, no, you go through the investigation and you you decide what happens. So I guess in that sense, like okay. maybe there's a chance he's going to play if he's that confident. And there was a new report that came out today. Um, one of the sons, CJ was like, this, this guy must have uh, the Wolves best ball teams in mind. Cause apparently one of the, the sons of one of the accusers has like a recording of his mom say like, she was very complimentary of Deshaun Watson, apparently after the massage, but then she saw all the firestorm starting. So she decided to jump in on she it. She dialed it back. Um, and, and started to like say accuse him and kind of like it, it became almost like a, a witch hunt. Mm-hmm. And now again, I this is all just what I've read. I have no idea. I'm not right. trying to say. Please, I please don't her come after don't. the wolf on Twitter um, for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? All I'm saying is there is now. It seems like there's more of a chance, given that Watson's turning down the chance to like we would have seen him for a little bit of this year, and he's saying no, I I want more time on the field because I'm innocent. He did get cleared. So, like, there is a chance. I projected him out as if he's not playing, in which case sure, I, think I really don't like any point. of these Browns. I will. This would be one I would overhaul completely. Remember, these projections will be updated all summer long. You can get them through my 2022 investing guide, which will be released right around training camp kickoff. So keep your eyes peeled for that. These will all be in here. They'll all be updated by then. But as of right now, I'm going Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, and I'm, I want to vomit. Yeah. And let's move on. We don't have to talk about the quarterbacks anymore. No, you're not going to draft Brissett. You know, if no, Watson's I'm playing, sure he's going to be a top ten quarterback. He always has been. So if he comes back and he plays, then we'll then we'll do a, a whole episode on him. But let's talk running backs. Yeah, this is one of the craziest ones, Nat. And I, I'm sure you'll you're itching to call me out on this. Is Nick Chubb, who I think is one of the best running backs in the NFL, maybe the best. I, I love watching the man play. I love the locker room presence he has in your fantasy locker room. Just he is a stud. That all being said, if Brissett's a quarterback, I think there is very limited juice to squeeze as an offense as a whole. I think, you know, yeah, I still have him going for five yards a clip just because that's how good he is, but scoring chances will be limited. And Kareem Hunt's about to be back. So ultimately, you know, 49 and, and 34, that's the last type of division we saw when Kareem Hunt was fully healthy for a season. And I don't see why it will be any different because Stefanski's still there. He's still the head coach. Hunt was many weeks better than Nick Chubb when they were playing together. I believe they ended up finishing within like two spots of each other as fantasy running backs. So to me, what ends up shaking out is I kind of like Kareem Hunt as a value here, certainly because I think he gets more of the receiving work, 54 targets, 
40 catches, 300 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, he caught four receiving touchdowns and led the Browns in receiving touchdowns just two years ago. So there's – Well, you have really- Hunt. You have Hunt's uh, PPR projection. You have him coming out as your 25th guy. Chubb is your 17th guy. Which not a nice, huge, right? not a huge, huge discrepancy. What's For the difference between where – Well, that's what I'm saying. What's the difference in their draft positions? Exactly. One's going round two. One's going round, you know, I think Hunt goes like round nine, round eight. Yeah, I got I mean, to say round eight. Massive. Massive difference. And, and you know, I had been drafting Chubb, one with, you know, thinking Watson's going to be playing, just peppering him. But as round two running back, he's a complete fade for me, which just feels, again, so weird to say. As a guy has 13-41 and eight touchdowns, like that seems like a really good stat line. It's the complete lack of receiving work. And it's again, the lack of receiving that. work. We talked about this yesterday. There, it, there's a real cap on what these guys can do. I said, aside from Derrick Henry scoring 18 touchdowns and rushing for 2,000 yards, there's not as no. much value for these guys as we reflexively think. It doesn't reflect his ability. And I'm not really coming after you for this, by the way. I think Chubb's great, but I think the way that you assessed it is correct. And uh, I think these numbers are probably, I, I don't know, pretty close to accurate. Yeah, it's and it just I'm coming at myself in a way because again I'm just like I love Nick Chubb beyond all belief and and this is how I feel I guess so yeah down down on him you know 26 percent target share is one of the highest in the league for Amari Cooper, Cooper but yeah. it only amounts to 129 targets because it's one of the worst lowest aerial pies beyond him you know 11 13 there's nobody else really yeah. interesting uh 11 percent think about how much you like Donovan Peoples Jones when you thought that Deshaun Watson was going to be loved him I, I you think loved him. I, I and my highest owned best ball player, my most exposed or whatever the, the term is there. I, I had him more than any now other. Now Deshaun player. Watson's your most exposed. It's not any yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Donovan People Jones, I have no interest in. Like he even with Baker last year, he had a couple 30 point days. So like on the teams I have him on, I'm like, well, all right, whatever. I'm certainly not seeking him out anymore. I haven't drafted him since the, the news came out that Deshaun Watson was likely to be out for the year. Um he'll have a couple. 25, 30 point days. So he'll get in a couple of best ball weeks there. Otherwise, he's useless. I, I don't want to draft him anymore. Should right. Watson come back, one of the best deep ball throws in the league, I'll go right back to the well and start drafting Donovan Peoples Jones everywhere. But yeah, there was there was a time when he was literally my my most yeah, he, player. When we did our first best ball together, yeah. he was your guy that you had the most in. And you got to, it's why we call it the Roto Street. That's why we have it the stock market, Roto Street Journal. Values change. And this was one that changed, unfortunately for me, very, very drastically. Uh, Cooper again, 129, but like I, I did it out and Jacoby Brissett's never had a receiver finish above the top 30. Um, it, you know, Waddle was mediocre in the games that, that Brissett had to play last year. T.Y. Hilton went from a, a top 15 guy to a bottom 30 guy. I, I'm not in on Cooper anymore the, a, until, unless we know that Deshaun Watson is going to play at least some of the season. So as of right now, projecting them out with no Deshaun Watson, there's really nobody, even Najoku, like, Seven touchdowns? Ew, no way. Like, he's not going to catch seven touchdowns. So I'm going to change that to, you know, maybe four touchdowns. Like, I don't know, 7% touchdown rate? Like, three touchdowns. That seems way more accurate than seven, honestly. Right. Well, then we don't need to talk about him anymore. Yeah, I don't want yeah. Him. So we, we can move on. I really think the, the key projection here was how much lower I am on Chubb than I probably expected to be, uh, given how gross this off. I think gonna it's going to play out the way you think. I mean, obviously, injuries could change everything, but I think that's how it plays out. Go to Baltimore. Alrighty, Baltimore All right, last team in the division, Baltimore Ravens. And they're spearheaded by a guy that both of us think is wildly overrated, at least yep. as a, a fantasy quarterback. And he is the guy – he's the one where I started talking about chasing that buzz. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're, you're chasing that that first buzz. I mean, we saw Lamar Jackson – what was it, three years ago, two years ago? How When was it that he was just amazing? 
2019. Yep. Right. And he was incredible. And then it was just like, everyone was so all in. And then it's like, uh, he's never going to do that again. I mean, that's, it's an, in my opinion, that's an unattainable thing. And it reminded me a lot of Cam Newton. Um, yep. How we, I, I, how, we, how we chased that buzz. I think you hit it on the head when you said that the last time we recorded about him, 43% pass rate uh, that year where he had it. That's exactly what I have them coming in at. So no passing volume to speak of now, uh, you know, 46%, I guess I'm being even a little more generous there. 54% um, rush coming in here. The kicker is he had that career year in 2019. They're trying to remodel this offense to be like that. They go, they, they rebolstered the line. They, they, uh, you know, they cut rid of all their receivers. Like it's going back to that. But I think now the league, you can only figure out a, a talent like Lamar Jackson so much. That's why I have him for 6.2 yards a clip. He's such a dynamic runner, 955, 6, 154. It's that's a lot of rushes though, man. That's that, a lot of rushes. Um, and then you look at the passing and I just, he, he had such a ridiculous touchdown rate that year of 2019. I don't see the the players on this roster. Like, yeah, I like Rashad Bateman somewhat as a player, 909 yards and nine touchdowns on 121 targets. That's a, a fairly good stat line. But then Devin Duvernay and Taylor Wallace and James Proche, like, ugh. like no other receiver it intrigues me. They might add Will Fuller. That's one of the, the latest rumors. They might add Julio Jones. So if oh, it Will happens, Fuller. you know, wow. for the four games that he lasts, <laughs> he'd be perfect though. Because for all his faults, Lamar Jackson does have a pretty nice deep ball. Yeah, but, but has- you're, you're, then you should be able to sign him for like 25% of what you would sign a normal person for a year because you're not going to get more than three <laughs> or four games from him. Yeah, just, just about, not. right? Right. Um, but- obviously, the, the star of the passing show and the guy I've had, you know, seeing 27% of the targets sure. is Mark Andrews. Sure. You had almost 250 points last year at the tight end position. One of the and he's great. Tight the tight end one of last year. I don't see any reason with, you know, now Marquise Brown and his 140 targets gone. Like I, I don't see any reason why we should expect anything but top two numbers from Mark Andrews this year. The one rub was a lot of his biggest games came when it was actually, uh, Oh, what's the backup's name? My mind. Huntley. Uh, yeah, exactly. Huntley. Uh, the biggest games for Andrews came with Huntley at quarterback. So that's just something to note, something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Um, it's just like, yeah, it's just a weird offense that they're going back to their 2019 roots of just pounding, pounding, pounding the rock, which I should love J.K. Dobbins, right? But they're talking about coming along slow with him, making sure he's really fully to go, ready to go, that the, he has to have like a little second operation at some point or another thing. They love the running back by committee, too. I mean, and they just, always have. And, and, and by the way, just to, to call back to yesterday's episode, look at who their RB3 is, Mike Davis, who we specifically hey. referenced yesterday. His Christian McCaffrey, I said it's a guy with a generic name. That's the guy. There he is. And he's getting, uh, Wolf, Wolf likes him for, you know, 74 carries. And maybe which will come right more. out of J.K. Dobbins' pocket. And that's what I'm saying. Because Dobbins, whether he misses week one or not, they're, they're again, going to take him along slow. And even if not, like, he, he just he's not going to get targets. Lamar Jackson never targets his running backs. They even have him at 8%, which is kind of generous. Compare, like he, he's never targeted a running back at that clip. And Mark Ingram, a good receiver, was yeah. there. He saw 10 targets. But Mark Ingram was also a top 14 running back there. So, you know, could Dobbins Whatever. do what Ingram did in 2019? Maybe, but he had to score 14 touchdowns to that. I have nine for Dobbins. I have a nice yards per clip, 5.5. I don't think any of that's unfair. Yeah, but for that's exactly how you described Nick Chubb a minute ago, though. 
Yeah. You know, top 14 running back, 10 targets, something like that. I mean, that, that sounds like you basically, I mean, that's like exactly what we said about him. With, with and lesser, that's why his value is capped, but with less rushes. With lesser ground pie, exactly. Right. I guess I, if I'm going to attack anybody uh, from this team in general and just uh, in the running game especially, I do like Gus Edwards who falls to round 12, 13. Yes, he's also coming off an injury, but he seems to be further along than J.K. Dobbins. So you might get an early season stretch of Gus Edwards being the guy and Dobbins being the compliment. And who knows if like, yeah, I do think Dobbins is a significantly better player, but they've even when, you know, they're both fully healthy, it's going to be about a, a 30, 35, 25 type of backfield with Lamar Jackson taking a big 25% right. chunk too. So it's just, and especially at the goal line. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm just not really big on the Ravens. Lamar Jackson getting drafted as like the locked in QB three or four. And to me, I haven't projected it to QB 11. I just don't, I think he's the most overrated player in fantasy. Like you said, they're all chasing that 2019 high. He hasn't been above the QB 10 in points per game for the last two seasons. I, I had him, and it was not a fun experience. He had like one you really pro, good you game. Projected, you projected Lamar as your QB 11. You actually have him as your QB 8, which surprised me a little bit. You actually, I mean, th- there's a little of that buzz still still floating around you, just a little. I get, it's, It is that idea of the – similar to Mahomes being my QB 9, but – ranked at QB3. Like, there is a world that Lamar Jackson does regain and be Well, we've seen it. It's, there's a difference between those guys and other guys, and the difference is we have actually seen it with our own eyes. Right. Like, we don't have to speculate, uh, is he capable of this? We know he's capable of it, or at least he was a couple years ago. And so that's exactly. always going to – that counts for something. Um, before yeah. we wrap up completely, and we're about to head to the AFC South, there are a lot, and I mean a lot, of unsexy teams in that – I mean, th- this could be like that could be like an eight eight minute division, maybe. But <laughs> but uh, but before that, just real quick, rank those teams for me one to four. That division AFC North. AFC I North. will say the Bengals win the division. Yep. I think the Ravens, even though I'm down on them fantasy wise, like they always play it tough. Harbaugh's a good coach. I think they finish second. Steelers third. Browns last. What about you? I same thing, except I'm switching the Steelers and the Ravens. Okay, Steelers number two. Uh, I'm going a little bit of pedigree there. The Steelers seem to always end up a winning team, even just barely, even if their team looks like shit. I mean, they, they've, just, they've just done it so many times. Um, and I just don't like what I see for the Ravens. So I don't, I don't, I, I feel very good about uh, Brown's fourth. I think isn't Tomlin <laughs> like the, <laughs> Tom, Tomlin's the only coach in NFL history to like coach as long as he has and never have a losing season. Right. Like it's right. insane. He, yeah. he, he, you got to give the guy credit. So, yeah, yeah. that's, that's so kind of how I'm I going Bengals, Steelers, Ravens, Browns. All right. Uh, and that's going to do it for the AFC North. So if we do put a podcast in just for the division, this is where I'm going to cut it. All right. Now we're moving forward to the AFC South, which, like I said, uh, this is this the worst division in football? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I don't think you did. Funny. You literally did not even hesitate to it's answer a that question. Division. We're going in with the Titans first. Uh, it's like one guy we can talk about on the Titans. <laughs> Hello, Derek. <laughs> Hi, Derek. How are you? <laughs> give me give me 90 seconds on Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, big, big ground pie, 51% rushes to 49% passes. Uh, and I think, you know, 70% of that almost goes to Derrick Henry, 364 carries. He was on pace for like 430 last year. And sure, he went hurt. He got hurt. But like, yeah, Derrick Henry. You're gonna yeah, but he was awesome. Life. I mean, he was awesome before he got hurt. He averaged more fantasy points per game than Jonathan Taylor. He, he was on pace to finish as the RB1 for the season with – He's like the exception to the targets rule. And he did start to see his targets get bumped up a little bit. Like by bumped up, I mean, he was at about 30 
Right. So, you know, for him, that's a, that's a big thing, though. Any any extra usage for Henry. And I, I still, to this day, I've always said it. I don't understand why he doesn't get more passing game because I've seen – how many times have we seen him take a screen and just steam Don't you just want ahead? the ball in his hands in any possible way you can get it there? Like, I, he's one of the, you just want the ball in his hands. It's like – I know he's not, like, Tyree Kill, but, like, you know, it's like you want the ball in Tyree Kill's hands. So you throw him, like, a one-yard – bubble screen or something right. to see what happens. I don't understand why that doesn't happen more with Derrick Henry. I agree. It hundred percent should, but yeah, I mean, it's t- typical stat line for him. As long as he's healthy, 16, 74, 16 touchdowns, you know, with a, an added, like I, I think he'll score one of those screens. I was just talking about where he just catches sure. one and goes 70 yards and nobody can tackle him. I, that should happen far more often than it does. I hope they start to dial him up. I'm, I'm not very confident that they will. So I, Henry, uh, obviously you love him. He's still a top seven guy. For me, uh, on the big board overall, I top five running back for me overall. But God, look at that receiving core. It's ugly. I mean, yeah. So getting to the the aerial pie, and I was actually we'll, we'll start with Tannehill just because he ended up coming up as a top twenty running back in my projections. I think I had him at like 29th on my big board. You didn't. So I had, I, I you said up. running back. You didn't mean as a rusher, right? You meant as oh, a as a quarterback. Okay. But I think that was a Freudian slip because he's, <laughs> he's run for five to six touchdowns. Every year he's been with the Titans. So mm-hmm. I, I put him in there for six touchdowns. He is very slippery in the red zone. He's sneaky athletic. Remember, he's a converted receiver. So it's he's not a Konami necessarily, but he's a Konami at the end zone. Um, So I do like him to score. It, six might be a little aggressive. I might take that down to like four or five. Um, But again, five touchdowns or more in all the seasons with the Titans. So I'll keep it at five. I, I like that projection right there. As you can see, very unimpressive passing, you know, 3,600 to 3,700-ish, 23 touchdowns and 12. There was two years ago where he was just an absolute machine, but he also had significantly oh, yeah. better weapons at that point. Um, you look at the aerial pie, though, and I will say oh, one guy that God, surprised man. me with how he came out with is Robert Woods. So, you know, 16% to Traylon Burks, 23% to Woods, 13% to Nick Westbrook Akinney. If I am this high, also 15% going to Austin Hooper, one of my favorite sleeper tight ends. So to me, this team kind of defines like unsexy upside. Robert Woods always kind of been a poster boy for unsexy upside, but 118 targets are 118 targets. That's nothing to scoff at. And he ends up finishing in the top 30 wide receivers for me in this projection of 947 and five touchdowns with 77 catches. I love him at his like 10th round price right now as a wide receiver, four or five. That's just going to... He's kind of like Jarvis Landry, that type of guy that just isn't ever wowing you, but he's got a meaningful path to a lot of volume. Like Traylon Burks has that AJ Brown, like I could be the big Debo Samuel, you know, all these comparisons. Maybe that's him. I don't buy it. The guy can't even stay on the practice field already. He's having asthma. And, and a lot of people, oh, that's the Jamar Chase drops of last year is Traylon Burks asthma. I, I think that's a, a little bit different if you can't actually run on an NFL field. So we'll, we will see if, obviously if that, fixes up for training camp and he's out there and he's looking as explosive as ever. I'll kind of flip those and say 118 go to Burks and you know 82 go to Woods and those guys. Burks will do a whole lot more with whatever targets he does because he is a, a very explosive player coming out of college. Um, but I, I am definitely lower on him than consensus right now, given that he just can't stay on the field. Um, and I mentioned Austin Hooper. You know, 77 targets is actually pretty good for a tight end. They're saying him and, and Tannehill are having a very good rapport already. Last time we had Hooper get a nice rapport was with Matt Ryan when he finishes a top eight tight end. Uh, so I do think, uh, you know, I have him statted out as a top 20 tight end, you know, maybe finishing cracking that top 15 as a guy that goes in your last round. So a uh, tight end too. There's certainly later round tight ends that I like more. Evan Ingram we'll talk about in a little bit. And I know you'll probably throw up when I do. 
Um, but I, I don't I mind. Mean, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. This is such a terrible division. It's so bad. <laughs> I, mean, um, I know you're talking, you're talking about specific players. And I'm just looking at the logos at the top of the screen. And I'm just like, wow, one of those teams is going to win this division. I one actually kind of kinda like the, the Colts. When, when we get, yeah, to we're going to talk about the Colts. You, you like the Colts a lot more than I do, but man, you know, they're, they're getting six games against those three teams. So uh, they probably will win. Probably have a decent record and probably put up some numbers in some of those the, games. The Titans let's, do always play teams tough though. Remember they beat the bills. They beat the chiefs. Yeah. Like they, they, they were better, but they were better than come on. Like they, this, did, yeah, they had AJ Brown, Julio Jones. I mean, they had, they definitely had better talent for sure last year than what they have right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the Colts because you said you liked them to, uh, to win this division. I think I probably like them to win the division too. We'll talk about that at the end, but Colts, uh, being led by the very unsexy and somewhat capable Matt Ryan, <laughs> whose career was ended by the Patriots in that Super Bowl. And he's yep. never really been back. And he is backed up by a guy who actually did deliver the death blow to the Patriots um, successfully, unlike Matty Ice. Nick Bowles. <laughs> Fuck off. Well, I mean, he did. He had to get it in somehow, right? <laughs> he did. Ah, <laughs> oh, you bastard. Um, but you look at the the Colts here. So when they had Phillip Rivers, over 70 plays above average. They had, you know... Um, Andrew Luck, 137 plays above average. So Frank Reich does, when he's got the right quarterback, like to push the plays, get a lot of plays. So I have him going 61 plays above average. I think that's pretty fair. And that's why I have a decent amount of optimism for Matt Ryan, chucking it 6-15 times. I think he turns that into 4-6-7-7 yards, 30 touchdowns with only 12 interceptions. He's always protected the ball pretty well. I mean, that's like, to me, I was talking with a writer today who's going to write about Matt Ryan. It reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins last year where hmm. he was like the quarterback 16 to 17 in drafts and you never really wanted him because it's unsexy. And he ended up having plenty of 19 and 20 point days and just being a very viable, like a, a high end QB two with a very nice floor. And if he ended up being your quarterback one, was it sexy? No, but your team didn't lose because you had Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, just like this year. I think Matt Ryan's never going to lose you weeks. Is he going to win you very many? Probably not but he's going to give you that serviceable 18 to 20 more often than not. So if you're punting quarterback, he's probably my favorite. Like I have him at quarterback 16 now because of how he projected out. I feel pretty good about Matt Ryan leading this team. I don't, but um, again, they're, they're playing just absolutely garbage teams. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know who knows. Maybe you have him projected as 16 and you have him at 16 on your big board. So I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is about where he belongs. It's just, yeah. he does not excite me in any way. At all. Well, the, the one thing to consider with him, too, is this is going to be similar to Burrow this year. Like, this is going to be the best line Matt Ryan's ever played with. So that that could help significantly. And he's got decent weapons. We'll talk about – I mean, I How guess we're saving – How old is Matt Ryan? How old is We're saving he? the best for last. I think he's 37. Um, yeah. See, man, that's – for anyone know, not named Tom Brady, that's really old. I don't know how we're doing a Colts preview. We're, we're not talking about the number one player in fantasy, but we'll, well get to him. We'll get to him. Sure. All right, let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. And as far as Jonathan Taylor goes, I mean, this is – you know, we actually talked about him, kind of peripherally talked about him yesterday because I talked about how you like Dalvin Cook to have better numbers than him, but you don't have Dalvin Cook ranked above him. You gave a pretty decent explanation for that. Jonathan Taylor is pretty much the undisputed number one overall pick in most drafts, although, you know, you've leaned towards Cooper Cup a couple of times. Yeah, in PPR leagues I do, um, and, and half PPR. It's got to be Taylor, and it's very, very rare. You know, Gurley repeated 2017 and 2018 as the number one running back, but – it doesn't really happen. And last year at 21 fancy points per game, that was the lowest RB1 we've seen in, I think, a decade. So, yeah, as good as Taylor was, and my God, as a player, like absolute steamroller, elusive vision, it's all. He, he, 
I talked about Chubb being one of the best running backs in the NFL. Taylor is the best running back in the NFL, and he's young. He's great, and he's going to be great for many, many years. So 330 carries, you know, 1683, 15, a, a slight downtick in last year's stats because I do think they lean a little bit more on the pass than they did last year when you have Matt Ryan um you don't have to ride him out to the ground we've seen Wright just kind of mix in weird workloads every now and again especially two years ago where Himes was suddenly getting more carries in games and it, it was a mess I don't think we revert back to that but they have talked a lot about Hines being very involved as a receiver so I do see him uh Jonathan Taylor taking a little bit of hit in targets again not much I think he had about 50 something last year uh 43 isn't a horrible amount but it's not great when you have 74 going to Naeem Hines they've talked a ton about him as a big receiving weapon so PPR wise is a little viability to Naeem Hines but Taylor I mean horse 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 the only downside is maybe his receiving work gets a little eaten into but I mean if this offense is even better with Matt Ryan those 15 touchdowns could quickly become 20 touchdowns and suddenly Jonathan Taylor is just that next level I I know I predict him down a little bit but I can't pretend there's not a ceiling where Taylor actually takes another step forward because of a better compute quarterback play. It really could happen. Well, I'd have to see the projections next to each other, but I mean, we, this is fresh in my mind. We just saw the Titans. I feel like his stat line you have him for is like identical to Derrick Henry's stat line. Yeah. Just a I little mean, bit re- really just like, I mean, like almost exactly the same though. Like your, your total rushes, touchdowns, uh, yep. receiving work. It's almost the same stat line. So just um, about it, it, the big difference is Taylor's younger, fresher, like sure. just a better player at this stage of his career. So I, I have more faith in Taylor hitting this projection. But I obviously I didn't project Derrick I mean, Henry there to not hit it. I think he does. I mean, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry, though. Oh, he's so fun. I'm so excited to have him back because, like, I think we all just kind of forget how amazing he was those first seven weeks because we missed him for those last 10. Oh, that's all oh. I've been thinking about for like eight months. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, go to bed and I think about him and, and Scott Hansen, and that's about it. That's about it. Um, and, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Michael Pittman Jr., he's the only, in my opinion, viable you know, guy that I'm even thinking about considering in this receiving core, even though I know you <laughs> like Matt Ryan more than me. Is there anybody else, I mean, that I should be paying attention to? You an no, Alec Pierce guy? I do like Alec Pierce. I'll talk about Pittman real quick first because I had him at like wide receiver 18 or 17 before doing the projections. And then it just came out and, and I think you got him 11 targets is a lot. 1,203 yards is a lot. Eight touchdowns is pretty damn good too. And I, I've always liked the player. So when I project somebody, I'm like, huh, that really pops off the page. And I'm like, well, I really like the player. And if that's going to be the volume he gets, I have no doubt he's going to do a lot of damage with it. I bumped him all the way up to my, my top 10 wide receivers. A, a third round guy that I am significantly targeting now. Um, big fan of Michael Pittman. I, there's nothing else to say, really. It, we saw he's not a Julio Jones, so it's hard to like just be like Matt White, Matt Ryan's wide receiver ones have routinely dominated. But like Calvin Ridley had great years. Uh, Matt Ryan knows how to feed a big alpha, and I think Michael Pittman like, is a big alpha. I think he's going. That's to a good point. Alpha. You know, even if even if I'm a little bit lukewarm on Ryan and stuff like that, he does. He's been around and he does know what to do. And he is yeah. going to try to get it to his number one guy. That's a that's a reasonable point. Uh, just for the record, you haven't projected as wide receiver eleven, and you also have him eleven on your big board. So right, right in lockstep. So yeah, he's he's a third round receiver. I really like targeting. But it's like I look at these guys. I mean, look at the, the guys around. I mean, you have him a spot above T Higgins. To me, that like makes my skin crawl like a little bit. <sighs> to know. me, it's just the matter of the inconsistency you get with T Higgins. Again, not overly yeah, I mean, that's ever ruining you, but. It, I, give me a number one, a clear locked in number one with a good quarterback. There's obviously some number ones that I would not want above T. Higgins, not even close. But with yeah. Pittman having a solid enough quarterback, I 
I'll take 140 targets from Matt Ryan over a hundred. They'll probably finish out. This is, I guess this is the only way I'd summarize it is I bet you they finish out with very similar stats. Maybe even Higgins puts up better overall fantasy points. I just think Michael Pittman's will be like much, much, much more dependable. Would you take would you take Pittman over Allen Robinson? I know I have Allen Robinson projected higher. So, but you don't have him ranked higher, though. You have Pittman ranked. The reason higher. I would, would you take him over Gabe Davis? I I would over Gabe Davis. Um, I would take him over Allen Robinson only because I know Robinson's also going to be coming back to me in round four. If prices change and suddenly, like I'm not guaranteed to get. Not Robinson if you're in a draft four, with me, he's not. Yeah, I know, uh, but. If prices do start to change and people finally wake the fuck up and realize that Allen Robinson's going to be an absolute monster in LA, that, then I would probably flip those because I really do think Allen Robinson. You would rather have Allen Robinson though, right? I would. I just only take Pittman in three ahead of him because right. I know Allen Robinson's going to be waiting for me right, in round four. Um, I do. Fair. You mentioned Alec Pierce. All the reports are he dominated red zone work in early camp. It's short season. I get that, but like, I mean, he's very explosive. I like the skill set he brings to the table and. It's a pretty wide open pie outside of Michael Pittman. We do know also that Frank Reich has loved peppering his tight ends in his career. He has also had pretty good tight ends to throw to, but even Jack Doyle was like, you know, the, the, the beanstalk in the pants because Frank Reich loved to pepper him. So I have about 20% targets going to the tight ends. I love this Jelani Woods kid. I think he's the more athletic one, but Mo Alley Cox is also like six, seven and moves. So, uh, you know, I, I think either of those guys could end up viable. If, if Jelani Woods wasn't drafted, I would have probably had Mo Alley Cox in my top 12 tight ends, which is kind of nuts. But I I think this might be a situation that cannibalize each other a little too much for either one of them to be dependable outside of best ball where you, you know, you'll get those spike weeks in the lineup when they happen. So. Gary W says Pittman over Robinson any day. Capital letters. Wow. What's up, hey, boys? Good to you see know you Gary's live. What's our up, man. Gary? I love Gary. So, you know, you got to take that one seriously. I wonder what Gary's smoking tonight. Also, Gary says, Colts and we can't are win. Sober for this. That's, right, yeah. yeah. So, sure Colts can't win without throwing this year. They must make Pittman a league winner to go where the Colts want to go this year. I mean, they. I don't I know. If they, I don't know if they can win globally, <laughs> Gary. Um, but they can win against the Texans and the Titans and the Jaguars. Well, I'll, I'll zoom in on one reason they can win without throwing. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, the best running back in the NFL. <laughs> you know, they, they don't have to throw, and they probably won't throw if they have big leads against the Jags, as you just mentioned, the Texans, like. Right. You don't have to throw against those teams. So yes and no, but Pippen will do. I, I think even on those games, Pippen will have racked up his damage by the time they're bleeding the clock. Too. I, I right. really think week in and week out, that's kind of my case for Higgins versus Pittman is I think it's just going to be a lot steadier. Like, you know, you're getting 12 to 20 every Higg- single time. With Higgins Pittman. is so much sexier though. All right. Let's let the, he's so, oh, come on. Higgins is sexy. He's very sexy, but I think Pittman's sexy. sexier than you're no. giving him credit for. Uh, well, I don't right, think you want one last tidbit to make him a little bit sexier for you. Him and Matt Ryan are eating breakfast together, baby. I'm not kidding you. Are yeah, they really? They are eating breakfast together, truth. And I know well, you that's know good for like that. 650 yards. <laughs> that's good for yeah, exactly. That's good for 2K okay. yards. All Mr. right. Michael Pittman. That's that's the most convincing thing you've said yet. All right. All right. We're moving <laughs> on to something yeah, that's really gonna get you excited. The that's Texans right. or Houston Texans. Yeah, oh boy. You really uh, want to get it. excited? Here we go. Gary <laughs> W. Gary W. says they missed the playoffs not throwing guys. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Against they the lonely Jags. Well, I mean, they had Carson Wentz, too. I mean, <clears throat> didn't want to throw that much. But that's a good point, Gary. Boom, breakfast buddies. Fair point. All right. <laughs> We're moving on to the Texans. Uh, come on. 
what yeah. do you really have anything to say about the Texans? I mean, Brandon Cooks, we can say a little something about, but come on. That's that's really it. 83 plays below average. So already the pies are very low. The quarterback play is going to be bad. Davis Mills did have a, a couple flashes. So I out of the last year's quarterback class, I think he honestly showed more than anyone outside Mar, uh, Mac Jones. That's also a very, very low bar. Um, and, and I don't think that's what continues. I actually am pretty high on Trevor Lawrence. We'll talk about in a little bit. Um, I just remembered something we were talking about uh, on one of our big best ball drafts. It literally just hit me right now when we were talking about Matt Ryan and breakfast. Weren't we talking about him eating like dry shredded wheat or something for breakfast? Like yeah. the least sexy breakfast you could ever have. <laughs> yeah, because it, it was like Pittman that had a comment about like Matt Ryan putting it wherever he wants to. Oh, right, and- right. I was going to say there was something obscene about his, his breakfast too, but I don't remember what. He was he was force feeding him dry Wheaties <laughs> while taking him from behind. Actually, yeah, I think that was the, yeah, that was the quote. Hey, we should put that picture on a shirt. Yeah. Oh, we a huge seller among the kids. We should, yeah. we should make sure Matt Ryan sues the ass off us. Yeah. Um, exactly. Anyway, okay. Sorry, I, I digress. I know we're supposed to be talking about the now, Texans, but what I that. just brought up is probably the most interesting thing you're going to hear in the next five minutes. Yeah. Exactly. So. That's true. Yeah, so you're welcome. <laughs> Seriously. I, I, I just picture Matt Ryan like walking into training camp with that shirt on. It's just like <laughs> I'm, I'm your captain that shirt down. on with like a box of shredded wheat under his arm. Exactly. Um carrying it like a pocketbook almost. <laughs> Seriously. I did uh one thing I tweeted out was Davis Mills had just one fewer game of 20 plus points than Lamar Jackson, the same amount of stats. So yep. uh, starts. And that I think says more about Lamar Jackson last year than it does yeah. Davis Mills. But yeah. it does tell you that there is in best ball again. I know I keep, we're kind of repeating that phrase in best ball in best ball, but like Davis Mills is never a guy you're going to confidently go and start in your league where you actually have the decision-making, but he's going to have a few weeks given how just freaking awful the Texans are that he's going to have to chuck it 45 times and he's going to put up 25 points. And he's going to be a viable quarterback one in those weeks. Uh, good luck figuring out when they are. I'm not going to try to play that get that in seasonal leagues, but I don't think Davis Mills should be 100% dismissed uh, in best ball and certainly not in two QB best ball leagues. The one man he's going to be feeding, Brandon Cooks, 26% target share, 138. A nice bathing there, 92 catches, 1,086 uh, yards, seven touchdowns. Feels about right. Top 20 like numbers. Cooks. Yeah, he just always kind of produces. You know, he's always underappreciated. He always produces. I think this is the one year fantasy fans are actually like finally just appreciating him because he's going pretty early round five right now. And that's right where he belongs. Uh, You know, you can only go so high with Davis Mills, but Davis Mills also targeted him over 30% of the time in their starts together last year. And your Davis Mills quote just a minute ago, just to rewind about 30 (laughs) seconds back is a classic. This is vintage wolf stuff. He should not be dismissed totally in a, two quarterback best ball league yeah <laughs> of 32 teams right you don't want to you can't dismiss this guy completely in a team in a best ball two quarterback league he might be worth a look even in in one quarterback leagues i i've been taking him as like no no come on let's not be silly here <laughs> he'll have four weeks of 20 plus points so in best ball he'll be in your lineup those weeks Unless you have a way better quarterback, and he probably won't be. So, unless unless you've drafted one of you know one of the twenty six quarterbacks, one of twenty nine quarterbacks we have ahead of him. (laughs) Seriously, I really don't. I don't have much interest. Like Nico Collins is getting hype. I'm not into him. John Metchie's going to come along slow with injury. 
not into him. The only other guy I would talk about, and it, right now I have it projected as a very messy backfield. What a train wreck of a backfield that is. 154 going to Damian Pierce. But Damian Pierce, a lot of Alvin Kamara comps in the sense that he was really, really good every single time he touched the ball in college. He just was underutilized ridiculously. And so I don't know that the Texans will be any smarter than what Florida did with him last year. The answer to that is probably going to be no, given they're already talking up Marlon Mack and saying he's going to be the clear starter. And and then eventually it's going to be handed over to Pierce and Rex Burkhead still lingering around to nibble on some cheese. So is it probably just going to be a, a three-headed gross and, and you never know who you're going to get? Yeah, probably. But Damian Pierce does go in round like 11, 12. And maybe, just maybe, is this type of Alvin Kamara. Like Alvin Kamara also was on the Saints with a great QB. And there's a lot of other factors that helped him out too. There were a few, few subtle matter. differences between a the few two subtle situations. Differences. Right. But I do think he's a player. Like I like him. Duck loves him. And Duck was all over Eli Mitchell last year as a good running back sleeper. So I, I do like Duck sleeper running you back. You know, we all. do like to make fun of Duck, but he's right about a lot of stuff. He's really good with his sleeper running backs. He, he loved Dak. Like, he's called some pretty good breakouts and he's really in on Damian Pierce. So I'll give it a duck. Like I, I, I've drafted Damian Pierce pretty much solely. On his Damian Pierce is a monster. We got it right yeah. in the comments and, right and, here. Uh, so you're not the only know, one. Yeah. So there you go. And we had uh, when we had Thor on for the college preview, he was raving about the pick of Damian Pierce. He thought it was an absolute steal how far he fell, and he was just like, they have no one on the roster that is even a mile within the Damian Pierce ability. So there is like the off chance he just is that much better in training camp wins the job, and then just goes bananas. So I am drafting him a fair amount in round 11 and 12 on a lot of people I trust and like recommendation. It feels kind of gross because it's just like the Texans, and I don't really want anything yeah. other than Brandon Cooks there. So I, I'm not like overexposed to him, but I'm, I'm getting some Damian Pierce action going on. There. All right. Let's yeah. talk about the Jaguars. Which projected out actually way better than I expected. True. The Jags? Yeah. You got Trevor Lawrence projected as your QB fifteen, but you got him I twenty. Know. You got him twenty on the big board though, so it's another of those where you're like, <laughs> yeah. Nah. I mean, it, there's a certain type of guy that that you that is that way for you. Like, yeah. Uh, here, here's here's guys that I talked about yesterday that fell into that same category: David Montgomery, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, uh, yeah. Adam Adam Thielen, T. <laughs> Higgins, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, guys where you're just like, eh, I yeah. Don't know. There's yeah, a couple other guys that we haven't gotten to yet that I will bring up that are that you have your biggest discrepancy on the whole thing. We haven't gotten to yet, and I, and he's the biggest example of this on the whole thing. It's not Diggs, right? Because I, I think no, no, no. You fixed Diggs. I was okay. dangling that one over your head before, but not anymore. No, there's one much bigger than Diggs. All right. Okay. Anyway, we're getting into it now. Last team in the AFC South, just a train wreck of a division. Let's talk about the Jaguars, who, as you know, are on the short list of teams that I will never trust in any sense until I see it. Yeah, and I think that is largely fair. Um, Doug Peterson coming, I think, is going to be a huge boost if Trevor Lawrence is anything decent. And remember, we're just like a year removed from him being the next Peyton Manning and the can't-miss pro- prospect and never lost a game for you know however long of his career. So I, I'm not going to give up on him yet. I think there is some something to be tapped into here with Trevor Lawrence. And I think Doug Peterson, yeah, he, he fizzled out a little bit with the Eagles at the end there. But for a long stretch, he was considered one of the best offensive minds in the game. I think Frank Reich was a huge part of that uh, offensive staff. But I, I think compared to or- Urban Meyer, like this is just a night and day situation. Yeah. I mean, so- you know, he was such a hyped prospect coming out. I mean, he was like, 
a hype prospect on the level of like we've only seen a couple guys like that coming up John Elway, yeah. Andrew Luck, like that sort of hype. And I so I'm not willing to dismiss him either after that train wreck of a season. I'm not I was very confident that he would fail on like last year when he came yeah, back. Yeah, I saw the situation <laughs> and I was just like, there's no way this guy's coming into Jacksonville with this idiot running the show and, and is gonna be like what people are expecting to be. I just like I if I would have bet everything I had on him doing pretty much what he did. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see if there's a big change. Cause I mean, there, there's so many people that just think he's such an incredible talent. There, there's gotta be something there. Absolutely. And I think he's going to huck it 640 times. As you can see, it's going to be a lot of hucking. The league. Um, you know, 60% pass rate. One of the biggest rates in the league. Cause the defense is going to suck. And, and historically that's been a Doug Peterson offense. They've chucked it around 60% of the time. So I, I think that's all good news for him. 24, Touchdowns and 16 ints doesn't seem unreasonable. 400, 4,000, you know, 4,500 yards doesn't seem that unreasonable. Four guys, yeah, I mean, based on last year's numbers, those seem like ridiculous, but right. for a prospect of his nature, that's certainly attainable. And I think the big thing with him is he's athletic. We saw, yes. I think that 30, that, that Thursday night football game is still kind of stuck in my head where he was running all over the field. Um, and, and he is athletic. He can certainly score in the red zone. So 3, 10, and 3. Just a nice little boost, a nice little, not quite Konami level, but a good boost. So I, yeah. I'm a big fan of Trevor Lawrence. How he's going to distribute the work, I have no idea. I don't really – I'm not in on any of these pass catchers, to be honest. Gary you know, W. Kirk, says that Christian Kirk's going to go off this year. Says he's going to be a solid wide receiver, two in fantasy. The Jags blow. And I, I agree with you on the last thing, Gary. And <laughs> if you're following the money, I mean, he should be a top five fantasy receiver, right? So, I, I mean, I get it, but I'm, I'm not a big Kirk guy. I think that was one of the worst – contracts of all time and Doug Peterson never had a single thousand yard receiver his entire time with the Eagles now he didn't have many great talents but he did have like Alshon Jeffrey and a couple guys that were on their back nine but still had had big seasons in their past does and Alshon Jeffrey still league. play in the NFL no not anymore that was like a few years back no but I, mean, I was just wondering if he was still in the league no no he's been long out uh, really? I think at least I, as far as I know I know he was he was the one that kind of he was I mean, nasty for a couple. He of was years. good for like two years. Really good for a couple of years under Mark Tressman. Remember those days? Yeah, oh, I do remember Tressman those offense. days. That was I didn't realize one. Marvin Jones was on the Jags. Yeah, well, he was there last year, and he had a. He's been well. well that shows how uh, little of an impression he made on me because he's literally yeah. been on the team for two years. Yeah, he was there last year. He, maybe even two years now. Uh, but he didn't do much <laughs> last year. <laughs> he's one of those guys that again, like, he'll produce a few big ones, but. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to be anything steady for you. I mean, if a receiver is going to pan out, it would be Kirk because of the money. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, no more. You know, I, I was way too overhyped on him last year. I was I number one on the reality check for the LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, believers. you were. I'll, I'll give you that one. Um, yeah, I, that was a really bad call. That felt like an easy call. It, it's gross. All these are gross. I don't have any receiver getting above 20% target share. And 109 targets for Kirk is the most. I guess who I am interested in are the two other positions. One, yeah. Evan Ingram as a sleeper tight end. We've routinely seen Doug Peterson pepper his tight ends. And now Zach Ertz was an elite talent for a long time. Uh -huh. Talent dictates targets. I get that. But Evan Ingram, you know, has one of the most impressive athletic profiles. He had one of the best rookie years we've ever seen. And he's just kind of struggled with injuries since then. And could he again this year? He probably will. But if he does stay healthy, you know, he probably will see 100 targets. Catch you know, about 60% of them because he has stone hands and he's very athletic to do some damage with it to get to you know, 700, 604. That hasn't finishing in my top 10 tight ends, as you know, 
a lot of factors have to go right for him to hit that. But I'm a believer in the way that Peterson uses the tight ends creatively and voluminously. Voluminous, whatever the word. You know what I'm going for. I uh, yeah, but I but I don't I know that you pronounced it funny, but I don't know what the correct pronunciation is, so I can't really call you out on it too bad. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh you've got Ingram projected as a as your number 15 guy, and you got him 16 on the big board. Honestly, the numbers you're talking about with the targets, I mean, I came in here prepared to just laugh at you for your Evan Ingram take. And it's really not that crazy when you put it that way. Right. Like, I, I don't know. Just, <laughs> it's, it seemed, and, and the funny thing is I posted it on Twitter. You know, Evan Ingram was going to see a hundred targets and no one cares. Yeah, and you did. It was very, very polarizing. Like half were like, you're sure as hell right. I don't care. Fuck Evan Ingram. He's the worst player that's ever existed. And then there was a lot of people that like, He's just got to get his, the right chance. He's going to blow up this year. So I, he is one of the most polarizing fantasy players. I, I well, that people, uh, he's been a guy that people have tried to believe in just about every year. They're yeah. chasing that buzz and like we talked about. And he, he typically has disappointed. I guess one of the biggest differences with this year is he goes in round like 16 now. So you're, you're really not taking on too, too much risk. Okay. It's really you, not that, especially if you're looking for a tight end that late. There's very few people with a target upside that Evan Ingram has at that stage of your draft if you need a tight end that late. So right. I'll go you him can... over Hayden Hurst or you know some of these other guys we've been talking about. Like He could be their number one passing option after Christian Kirk. Um, the other big guy is, of course, Travis Etienne. And, I mean, he is fantasy darling number one right no now. No kidding. And a- as a player coming out, he was amazing. But people are tweeting today, like, I'd rather have Etienne than Joe Mixon. And it's just like, who the, you're fucking psycho. How, how could you say this? This guy is on a crap team, hasn't played a down in the NFL. And, and like, we don't know if he's going to ever be the explosive guy we saw in college after a pretty bad injury. Who could ever consider that? <laughs> you know, no, I, that's I nuts. That's completely nuts. nuts. Insanity. Moreover, Doug Peterson has never had a good steady running back in his entire career. He didn't have a lot of great talent, but he had like, Sproles and Ryan Matthews and one was catching one was there's never a three down horse I think a lot of people are coming in saying Travis Etienne is just going to be a three down horse now maybe if James Robinson's hurt and doesn't he starts the year on the PUP and you're gonna get six games of Travis Etienne of just workhorse and maybe he's talented to then just dictate that's the way it goes the rest of the year that wouldn't shock me I've seen a lot of DeAndre Swift comparisons like very explosive very efficient bad team will overcome it because of how talented he is I, I, I'm not even against that. It's just the extreme of ranking him in like round two no, above Mixon is what are we doing? So he, he comes out in like my top 20 running backs. He's going as a, a top 10 guy right now, a top 15 guy um, above Zeke, above, you know, a, a lot of guys that I just laugh at. Like, come on. I, I had taken him a lot in early drafts when he was going at like pick 60 before people started to wake up to the fact that like, he's a really good player that that could do a lot of damage with minimal work. Um, but now that he's going in round three, like I was getting in round five, round six all day, but round three, no, thank you. There's, there's running backs. I will gladly take ahead of him every single time. Right. And that's going to do it for the AFC South. I will just tell you for the Jags, uh, the guy I really want to do well is Snoop Connor. What a great name. Huh? Right, I mean, I just want to be pulling for that guy. I want to be picking Snoop Connor up off waivers at some point. Um, let's yeah. rank this uh, shit pile of teams. One to four. Uh, Colts clear one Titans, a clear two. Mm-hmm. I mean, just tit wrestling in the mud for number Slap three. Four, yeah. the three <laughs> uh, who knows for those bottom two, I, I would say Jags and Texans. I, yeah. I guess I believe in Doug Peterson a little bit more than I do. Uh, Lovey Smith. 
this I got I got them ranked in the same order. Yeah, okay. uh, just hideousness. And as we move to the next division, folks, if you guys hey, like what you're like. hearing, please do consider giving us that thumbs up button, helping us to continue to grow, continue to uh, spread the RSJ love. It is so greatly appreciated. Continue to comment into a little bit more interaction. Tonight. So Gary Gary W liked the Alshon Jeffrey drive. Yeah, there we go. It's just it's fun when we have people like here and active and engaged. I know we had a few viewers last night commenting in, but this is this is feels a little bit more fun. So if you're here, comment in. You know, let me know where we're crazy or. If, you missed last night and you want me to review a specific player or anything, let us know. We're, we're here. We'd love to talk about it. Uh, I just want to say I just Googled Alshon Jeffrey and he – yeah, he, he's not playing. <laughs> he hasn't played in like three years, I don't think. No, come on. Really? I, well, if you Googled him, you could – He played in he played in 2021. With who? With the Eagles. <laughs> no, he didn't. I'm he didn't pretty step sure on the he field. did. I'm pretty sure that hold on. on. The podcast is grinding to a halt right now. Until all right, he played on the Eagles in 20. <laughs> he played like on Alshon Jeffrey to throw. Tw- he played on the Eagles in it. he played on him in 2020, Wolf. So last year was the first year he didn't play football. Okay, he played in 2020? Yeah. Looking at his How stats, many- they weren't very good. <laughs> he might have stepped on the field for a single game. Like, he had I, six. He had six receptions for 115 yards. <laughs> there you go. But he Two played in seven. He played in seven games. <laughs> oh come on! All right, he played. Like, he was on a roster. Good for you. You're he like, played. Yeah, he had six catches. Three years. My ass. It's been like a year and a half. <laughs> Gary W says you guys are the best genuine fantasy football talk on YouTube. Thanks for the. Oh, thank you, Gary, thank you, man. We really appreciate, appreciate it. You're it. the man, Gary. <laughs> we love having right. you here with us, brother. All right, so that was some awful shit last division but now this is kind of fun. what a treat this is kind of, this is kind of sexy let's oh, talk man. about josh allen who are we talking about yesterday that got it drafted over josh allen um oh uh somebody daniel bad. Jones. <laughs> oh yeah yeah daniel Jones. <laughs> so bad oh man charlie says finally a real football team love everything about the bull uh the bills well so do we if you watched any of our baked best balls i think we did like four of them like Three of those we just stacked up bills left and right. So oh yeah, uh, all in on this team. Good to see Charlie too. He was a regular at the last last time we did oh, the projection yeah. show. I'm sure. I'm still wondering where Preble's at. I gotta I'll DM him on uh on yeah. Facebook or something. Maybe yeah, let's, let's always here. Let's start uh, harassing people that we know. Yeah, you know, we got at least really like where are you at? And Charlie yeah. co- co-signs on Gary W's comments, which we appreciate. Thank you guys. Thank all right, you Bills 2022. Let's get excited. I will just yeah. tell you that at the Top the the big discrepancy that the wolf fixed kind of covertly, well, not really covertly. He told me he did it, but uh, Stephon Diggs the wolf had as his wide receiver five, but his stats actually only projected him to finish as the wide receiver thirteen. That's obviously a discrepancy worth talking about, and and he saw that and was like, no, that's not okay. So he right. changed his Diggs numbers. Where do you have Diggs coming out now? Right up to wide receiver five. Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> okay. The big thing, and and I I re looked at it, and I had Diggs at a 23% market share, which that 2% ends up being a, a really, really big difference when you're talking about wide receiver 13 to wide receiver five, because he went from 138 targets to 160. And and just like a lot of the elite talents, you give somebody 30 more targets, they're going to do a whole lot of damage with that. So his numbers oh, sure. leaped up. When well, I, catching, I you got him 70% catch. You throw somebody 30 targets, that's 21 catches. That's yeah. like two full games of like really high production. Yeah, he went from about 1,200 yards to 1,344. He, he picked up an extra touchdown. Um, and, and then Gabe Davis took a little bit of a hit. I think he took – but it was only a small one. He fell like one spot in my wide receiver ranking. So it didn't end up impacting him 
too much, but that's where it came out of. I think I had Davis at like a nine at 18 to nine or a 20% target share. I bumped him down to 18 and I put Diggs back up to 25, which I do think is, is pretty reasonable. Um, and, and I, really I still, like I still love Gabe Davis, though. I, I oh, unapologetically love him. love him. Diggs is great. Diggs is good. And, I think you were smart to change his numbers a little bit. Dig, you know, maybe a little disrespect for Diggs, even though you clearly you had him five on your board. You clearly believed in the guy completely. That, that's the why numbers, I, the numbers yeah. didn't match up. That's all. That, I think it was just a weird like I just overlooked it in the projections because uh, I did clearly I loved him and and I made sure that I, these projections feel way closer. 112, 13, 44, and nine touchdowns. I mean. Just two years ago, he had 130 catches. Like, yeah, last year was a little bit of a down year, but I, I with a bunch of their receivers leaving, I think that yeah, that gives the the path for Gabe Davis, who we absolutely love, to step up. But I, I think Diggs is belonging in the first round, and I did not have him that projected as such. So, well, I kind of plunged us into the receivers right away, which is a little bit backwards, uh, but it's okay. We can get that off the table. Obviously, we love both of those guys, but let's talk about Josh Allen. You yeah. know, this is not a hot take. Everyone knows he's great. I still kind of want you to spend a minute or two on him. Why not, right? So we, we talked at the top about elite offenses and how oftentimes they don't end up running a ton of plays. That's not the case with the Bills. They love just pedal to the metal. They could be up by 30 points, and they are still going to go no huddle and shove it down your throat. And I love that about the Bills. There's no like blowout risk because they might blow you out. And they're still going to just continue to pummel you and pummel you and pummel you. And I, I love that for fantasy because that just keeps Josh Allen continuing to pile up the points. He's gone well over 400 points in back-to-back years. Well, very easily the quarterback won in back-to-back years. And I, I very am handedly projecting him as the quarterback won yet again. You know, almost 5,000 passing, over 40 touchdowns to then go with nearly 600 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, we're talking about 5,500 yards of offense almost at this point. The guy is an absolute machine. And how fun is this guy to watch? Let's let's just so be fun. real. He runs over people, man. A truck. Like he's, what he's a, a beast. And what a <laughs> and and just what an arm. I you know I know we talk about 5,500 yards of total offense. That's incredible. But it's like the fun factor. We talk about drafting guys that you like want to pull for that you want to own. He's so fun to have. And we drafted him like in the third round of at least Every half of time. our best ball leagues. And, and I'll continue to do so. That That's a guy that I, people, you, you want to diversify your portfolio. Yeah, I, I get that. Not when it comes to Josh Allen. I will gobble up yeah. as much Josh Allen. I've continued to draft him every single time in round three. I, I, and I've always been a weight on quarterback guy. This is a different beast. I mean, this is a, a running back, a quarterback. Like it's, it, it's everything. It is just fantasy goodness embodied is Josh Allen. He is the absolute tits. I mean, he uh, is open- the tits. Oh, no, I just uh, pressed back. So we'll go. Over it's okay. Before. Josh Allen, well, just recapping. He's the tits. Yeah. And, and while this is reloading again, I think I have to uh, <laughs> sign back in <laughs> to my uh, projections here. But a lot of the one worry I've seen people express is he lost his offensive coordinator, Dable, who was he, he was a good play caller. He put a lot of the four wide receiver sets out there, dialed up the run a lot. But what I love is they, they promoted from within. Ken Dorsey, the quarterback coach, has gone up. They've already, Josh Allen's already said it to the athletic. Like, this is the same exact verbiage. It's the same exact system. I am just as comfortable, if not more so, with the offense right now than I ever have been. You're, you're going to just get the number one quarterback in fantasy. You're going to get a guy that puts up at least 20, oftentimes 30 in your lineup. There's there's nothing else to say. I mean, like, there's there's 
to me, there's unless he gets hurt because he's running around a lot, but like he's a tank. He, he, I just, I just love him. I, there's nothing to not love about him. Don't, I got an argument with somebody the other day. Do, do you think that Josh Allen is better than Pete Cam Newton? Yeah, <laughs> I, do, I do too. I just like prime Cam Newton was amazing, but no, I mean, like Josh Allen can do yeah, this way guy's, more. This time. guy's just better. He's stuff. way more cerebral. I mean, just look at that that AFC champ. We were talking no, about yeah, the, Cam Newton never could have done that shit. No, from toe to toe, like that that required some huge big balls and great throws. And and Cam had the balls; he couldn't make those throws. Like he could, he could rope it deep, but to be able to like thread it to the the way that Josh Allen was like this, with a clutch game on the line. That's where Cam Newton throws the no, pass. I, Josh I don't even. Back. I don't even think it's close. And I mean, again, I'm no. a huge fan of prime Cam Newton, but no, I, I agree. No, I'm with you. Not close. All right, let's yeah. talk about the running backs. Devin Singletary. He's a guy that we kind of like. We're really down on, understandably, for a while because he kind of sucked. But then, kind of like we've we've kind of warmed to him a little. Yeah. Right. Number two running back in the fantasy playoffs, and the yep. team has already come out and said we loved what we saw. We're going to continue to lean on Singletary. Actions do speak louder words. They did they did draft James Cook, but they've been very like adamant that James Cook is more of a slot receiver than he is a running back. Like he he will be our sub back. They wanted JD McKissick. So he, you know, Singletary's receiving work, which did contribute to a lot of his success at the end of the year. I, I can't project him for more than 38 targets, which is what I have here, 30 catches. Even though he's a pretty good receiver. I mean, Singletary is James Cook is much, much more explosive as a, a receiving option, at least based on his college shape. We'll see how he translates. So I, I do have Singletary taking a little bit of a receiving hit, but nine, I mean, nine might be low touchdowns in this offense that's going to continually drive it. I guess the one reason that I didn't go higher is because Josh Allen Josh is so Allen. damn good. At no, I, think, I think nine is, yeah, I don't know what I'd go over under on nine. Yeah. I, I might go under actually. I just like, I mean, you're getting a, a probably a 55% of the total work of the backfield. So I have a 41% of the carries, but that's with Josh Allen taking 25%. So you're talking about just running back carries. You're getting about 60% yeah. of the running back work with a little bit of the receiving work and one of the best offenses in the league. And he continues to prove, like, even though he, we said he quote unquote sucked, it was kind of his role that sucked. He's always been pretty efficient yeah, whenever he's seen volume. So I like Singletary. He goes in round 10, sometimes in an underdog best ball drafts. Mm-hmm. I have been, he's been my running back three and four on almost every team. One of my highest rostered players. I, I really like Singletary, even though I think he only comes out at like running back 24 or so in the projections. Yeah. I think that's almost, I think I've kind of statted him on his floor. Like, and that's pretty damn good to, to have that type of a top 24 floor in round 10. Like I'll take that all day. Just for the record, Devin Singletary projected out at 24. You got him 25 on the big board. So there, yeah, there we go. Right, 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 right around where I had him. Let's talk tight ends. Come on, man. You got to say I, something I, about this guy. I was I love Dawson Knox too. I was going to say too though with um Singletary. I think I have him below Patterson right now on the big board. That mm-hmm. needs to change. So we we talked about last time. We're like, yeah, I just don't like. I don't. I really just don't want Patterson this year. I know him, My, I loved him last year, but you don't. You have him above Patterson, but it's one spot. Yeah, you have um, an interesting little. You have an interesting run here. These are tough. You have, ah, man. I don't agree with some of this stuff, Wolf. You got Montgomery, Etienne, J.K. Dobbins, Elijah Mitchell, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, Singletary, Patterson in order. Hmm, I don't know. I like Singletary better than some of those guys you got above him. I, I might too. <laughs> that, that might be one I have to go relook at. Um, in terms of the receiving, we already uh, we talked about Diggs. I was wrong. We Re- projected him out, and he's he's projecting top five. I mean, he's projecting below Mike Evans for me, which is kind of surprising. And 
Not many people would draft it that way. I don't know if I'd even draft it that way. If I was presented with Diggs versus Evans, I'd probably pull the trigger on Diggs. I would take um, Diggs. But the, the big thing is, is Gabe Davis. He has become – I know you're not on Twitter much, Truth. No. He's like the Twitter – every day it's a new fight about Gabe Davis. Oh, it's you know, awesome. It is, Maybe I should get onto it. I'd love to be in that mix. It is – oh, my God. Every single day somebody comes in with something about how he sucks. Somebody comes in with how he's the best player in the world. And, and you know what side I'm on. I really like Gabe Davis. But it is just a bloodbath every single day on Twitter about Gabe Davis. And clearly I'm on the side of – I really like him. 18% target share. Doesn't seem like all that much, but 18% in this offense is really, really healthy. 115, we've seen 115 targets to the wide receiver, too, in the Bills multiple years in a row. I love Gabe Davis to see that. I love him to just be an absolute monster with it. 11 touchdowns, uh, just under 1,100 yards. Great stuff all around, even at only a 59% catch rate because he's going to have those big plays. I think about 15 yards per catch is, is right on par with what we've seen from him whenever he's used. I'm all in. I, I don't buy the big argument against him is, well, he couldn't beat out Manny Sanders and he couldn't beat out Cole Beasley. Why is he suddenly that good? And I, okay. I don't really have a reason for like why he wasn't in over those guys. Cause they're, they're not that good. And then when Gabe Davis does get on the field, he is really good. So I don't well, know. I, mean, why I, I, I think he did ultimately beat them out. I think, yeah, they got hurt and then he just kind of took over it, because the, the coach probably finally realized, like, we're being idiots, not playing. I mean, once they saw how good he was, it wasn't like then they kept, like, playing at his expense. Exactly. It just right. took him a while to, to get the reps and earn the right. spot. I don't, really, they, I don't really agree with that argument. You were going to say earn it, right? And that felt wrong because that's what the argument. He Targets are earned and he couldn't earn his targets. I, I think that was more coaching error, coaching fallacy than it was on Gabe Davis. Maybe he's well, not a obviously great it was. player. I mean, you, obviously it was. You can't have somebody that's getting in, putting that sort of production and like clutch, like important NFL games and not be, and then be like, oh, well, he shouldn't be playing. Exactly. Like there's only a handful of guys in the world that can do that. Exactly. And he's one I, of them. And, and he's one of them. Uh, and, you know, Emmanuel Sanders up from the, the sidelines now, now he's not on the Bills. He's been on record being like, Gabe Davis is an absolute dog, man. Like he is, now that he finally has his opportunity, you guys will be seeing a Pro Bowl receiver for years to come. And so like, you know, he probably didn't say those things back then because he wanted to play. But now that he's not on the team, he is like flat out saying like, this guy's way better than I right. was. And he's going to be a star for years to come. So I, I like that endorsement. That means a lot to me. The other receivers, I mean, I had been drafting a lot of Crowder. And I still will take him where, you know, whenever he falls. But I had kind of been reaching for Crowder to make sure I got my stacks with Josh Allen. A lot of the reports right now are Isaiah McKenzie's been beating him out, just like making play after play after play, showing sure. an amazing rapport with uh, Josh Allen. So whether I have Crowder or not, I have kind of committed to getting Isaiah McKenzie on every single one of my teams. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. But if he ends up being the starting slot receiver, we've seen Cole Beasley see over 100 targets for three straight years. That could be McKenzie's role. And the few times he's actually started, he scored 26 and 30 fantasy points. I mean, the guy just, I don't know, similar to Gabe Davis. I don't know why he's not earning his targets, but when he does get on the field, he just flat out balls. So he, he goes in the last round of drafts. I have been hammering him. I still do like Crowder as a player. So if he ends up winning the slot role, maybe one of the, we got to kind of do a show uh, right before training camp about the most important battles because We've talked about a few of these things. What do you need to monitor? Like Najee Harris, does he look sluggish at all? Isaiah McKenzie versus Crowder is like one of the most important receiver battles because I do think they'll do plenty of four receiver sets, but that number three is crucial 
Um, and I could see McKenzie winning it and going from a, a last round pick to a round 10 pick. And that's why I'm just going to keep hammering him in the last round. I absolutely love him. All right. Dawson Knox. Oh, love, love. Right. Sacks. That's, that's it. <laughs> I mean, 10 touchdowns last year. I think 10 again is a very fair expectation. Uh, as, again, one of the, the few guys still on the roster that has that nice rapport with Josh Allen. Uh, big settlers of Catan fan, too. Love that. He, he Love that. Things. Yeah, him and Josh <laughs> Allen are big settlers of Catan guys. Um, hey, we should I get mean, a game with another reason to love this team in this offense. Like, I hate that they're in my division with the Pats because. Otherwise, I really like the Bills. Like I love you got them. it right. That that sucks. You got him ranked a uh, seven, and you got him projected as your seventh guy. I like him more than that. If I'm being honest, huge tight end. I mean, huge touchdown upside. I guess it's just a matter of targets for me. The guys above him, like who who do I have above him? I just think they probably have a, a decent amount more. Targets. Kelsey Andrews, of course, of course. And you got Pitts, Waller. Yeah. Then you're like, eh, maybe. And then you got Kittle and Schultz. I love Schultz. I love Knox. He's my four last night. <laughs> yeah, I like Knox a little more. So that's, I, I mean. And Kittle, I, I'm, I will see, man. I've seen a great Kittle, but I don't know, man. We, yeah. If, if you told me at the end of the year Knox outscored, you know, two of those guys on that list, I, it wouldn't shock me. And a, 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 Knox, a, a Knox Allen stack is second. Oh, yeah. And you can get Knox in round 10. So, again, like it's, that's the best part of Allen is it can be tough to stack him in digs, but. If you take Allen round three, no, but Gabe we stacked Davis him and Davis four, a bunch of then times. You, then you go, you know, Devin Singletary nine, Knox ten, Isaiah McKenzie round, you know, twice. Just loading up on that is so fun and sexy. And then you're and just, you're, then you're just covered with your own. Well, anyway, with goo. <laughs> <laughs> right. like that, goo picture, goo. that picture of you, uh, or that video of you and McCaffrey came back. Yeah, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, right. was, that's what you do when you load up on bills. All right, we talked about the Bills for a long time, but they're one of the few teams I think is like worth it. And you know what's funny that is like I'm pulling up the Pats as we do this. It's we went from like the Jags and the the Texans to the Bills, and when I do the rankings, I just kind of go in alphabetical order, and they're like that's exactly how it feels. Is like Carolina, Chicago. Oh, now Cincy. That feels really. You're excited, you know. And like there are some stretches that are just like awful right but then there's like chargers and rams back to back raiders right after raiders kind of exciting miami intriguing minnesota giants jets oh what a you have to do those three it's like you have to do them because you got to do all the teams but you don't want to no not at all and we have to talk about all the teams we don't want to it's the same thing doing them and then talking about them it it, it feels the exact same way (laughs) well let's talk about the patriots they're not a sexy team i know you have affection for them of course uh you know Led by Big Bill still, or Little Bill, I guess. Mac Jones, not a sexy fantasy option. No. <laughs> no, for sure not. No. Sure. But but let me ask you this. Can you dismiss him in best ball two quarterback leagues? <laughs> no. Okay. <you> Thank you. <laughs> I, I That's what reason. I thought you would say. I think the Patriots are full of the classic cliche, good in real life, not great for fantasy type of guys. Yeah. I love a lot of their players top to bottom. They're all like very similar molds. So they all kind of nibble at each other's cheese and it's good for real life. Cause it's tougher to defend a team like that, but it ultimately doesn't typically create fantasy monsters. Yeah, they're Jones, like a socialist yeah. uh, team. They, they're yeah. not even nibbling at each other's cheese. It's just one big block of cheese yeah. that, they're, that they're all just kind of helping In. themselves to <laughs> yeah. taking equal portions. That's that's a fair way to put it. Yes, <laughs> a big block of cheese. The right. Patriots. 
Um, Matt Jones, all the reports, taking another step as a leader, really owning the locker room, like showing up first man in, last man out, all the stuff you love to hear real life-wise. Again, fantasy-wise, 4,200-ish yards, 29 TDs. Like, that's okay, serviceable QB2, but not someone I'm going into the season as my locked-in number one. Running backs, as we know, are always a dreaded nightmare, as you can see with my projected shares here. Like, I think it's a, a nice balanced 53-47% ratio here, right around league average on everything. But it's going to be divided up in such like a, a tricky way, both the receiving and ground pies. So 36 going to Harris, 33 to Ramondre, 11% going to Pierre, but then a lot of targets. That, that's me kind of projecting Pierre taking over the James White role while he's out, and then James White coming back, and then also seeing a lot of targets. So you can see it might end up being a four-headed nightmare. Um, the one guy, like Ramondre, I have is like the number two back here, but they're, they're really praising him for his receiving ability. So maybe he ends up taking the James White role over Pierre Strong. That's what CJ projected today in a great article he wrote over at rotostreetjournal.com. Check it out. Stock Check lot. it out. Um, Damien Harris, just a guy I'm out on, though, at his price. And, and that's a guy that has 10 touchdowns to his name. So I guess in basketball, like maybe that still makes sense. But good luck figuring out when those games are coming. Sorry, my, my light just got knocked over over here. That's all right. Uh, I don't know if I look way different, but I'm just going to leave it off to the side now. Um, yeah, you just look like you're in kind of a shadowy room. Did, did it uh, completely like, yeah, oh, whatever. No, Our you're, faces you're are small. You're fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Damien Harris, plus the injury risk, like of the running backs, you know, he goes about three to four rounds before Ramondre. I kind of like Ramondre where he goes in round 12 or so with that handcuff upside with the maybe James White. Like he might be the handcuff to both running backs, which makes him very, very viable. And especially if he ended up taking over a, a three down role at any point. So I'm into that. Um, I, I kind of like Ramondre at his price. The rest of the backfield, I, I just think Harris, and I was very into Harris last year and it, it pretty much worked out for us um, pretty well. I, I'm, I'm kind of getting off the train. This year, I just there's not enough receiving upside. I think there's too much inconsistency right, with the right. carries this year in round two of Ramondre that yeah. I'm not into. It. I do like a last round stab at Pierre Strong, though. Uh, athletic freak, just you know, big 220 running a 4-3, like jacked and a very good receiver. So if he does take over the James White role, that's a guy that could do a whole lot of damage on that type of work. So I am a big Pierre Strong fan as a, a last round best ball type of stab. Okay. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then you get to the receivers and, you know, the slot has always dominated for the Pats. That's why I have a nice 20% share under nine for Jacoby Myers, but it's such like a, he's just like a mediocre talent. I mean, four touchdowns seems almost too many for him because he's only had two, I think in his entire NFL career. Sure. So that seems a little bit too generous on my end. I, I do really like Kendrick Bourne. He ended up catching 78% of his passes last year while averaging over 15 yards of catch. Like that was efficiency. You just don't see. And I think he's a real player. So best ball wise, again, he had multiple 25 point weeks and you get him in round 14 right now. He's one of my favorite last round receivers to then go stab at a tricky, again, the redraft guy where I have to now predict when that big spike's going to happen. I don't know about that. I don't know that I want to have to do that. I'll take him in best ball. Probably won't. Otherwise I think Parker's pretty overdrafted just because I, I think the other guys might be better than him. Um, the new guy in town, like, could be interesting, but I don't think he's so good that he's elevated way above these guys. Like their, their projections had him significantly higher than everybody else. And I, I didn't see that. I don't think he's that much better than the others. And then you got the classic Hunter Henry. Like he's a touchdown machine. Doesn't do much else. Eight to 10 touchdowns. Love that though. Good tight end too for that. 
I, I'm not into John Smith. A lot of people predicting, uh, you know, his second year in the system, he's really going to break out. He, he had his chance. I'm done with him. No, no interest in him. So I guess the, the summary is a lot of really good real-life players that fantasy-wise are probably nibbling at each other's cheese with a couple interesting late-round picks in, in Pierre Strong and Kendrick Bourne. And then, and then Ramondre in round you know, 12 range could be just a, a league winner if Harris goes down type of thing. All right. Short and sweet on the Patriots. Like that. They're, they're my boys. I, I think people are underselling them. I, I think. A lot no, I think they're, I think they're actually a decent team, but I, I don't think there's much to talk about. Depth chart. Like I'm not, they're not good enough to beat the bills. They're not going to win the division, but no. they'll get the wild card. And I think they're going to be tougher in the playoffs than they were last year. Cause Mac Jones is just going to, He's the type of guy that does get rough. They were not particularly like tough in the playoffs. No, they got. Their remember, there was like a, there was a few week stretch there, like a couple weeks before the playoffs, where they were like really soupy badass. bowl. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they looked like they might be back. Yeah, uh, and who knows? Maybe we see that all this year. We, I, I really do like Mac Jones. I really like the future of the Patriots. I don't really like him in fantasy. <laughs> no, why would you? But there's a couple I, intriguing fantasy pieces here. Yeah, maybe. Dolphins. Let's talk oh, about the Dolphins. Talk about talent. Ooh. Because I really, the second, third in this uh, division is going to come down to the Patriots and the Dolphins, obviously. I feel like yeah. there's a very clear number one and a very clear number four. <laughs> yep. And, um, you know, let's talk about the quarterback situation first of all. Tua, you like Tua? I mean, he's being backed up by Big Dick Teddy. <laughs> Big Dick Teddy. Uh, I don't know what to think of Tua. It, at this point, at least what we know is this, that we will have the answer this year. If it doesn't get done when you have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell uh, and some other good running backs and Gasecki to throw to, then it's never getting done. He's not a real talent. I do think the things he does well, hitting receivers in stride, very accurate, very careful with the ball, and then letting receivers kind of do their thing, it's going to be a perfect fit for what their new offensive coordinator, Mike McDaniel, offensive head coach, uh, likes to do. Coming over from the 49ers, you know, the Debo Samuel type of usage of their weapons. Um, I, I really like what Tua brings to the table with this offense. So in that sense, I kind of like it. I do think it's going to be legit. I do think they also lean a lot on the running game. If it's, if he's going to bring over the Shanahan tree, remember he's the, the run game coordinator. So you've got to imagine he, he likes the run at least a little bit. So I, I don't think it's going to suddenly be like Tua going ballistic for 5,000 yards. Cause he has these two amazing weapons. I think it's just going to be like a nice real life combination that gets some pretty solid fantasy stats for Tyree Kill and Waddle, but I, I, Hill took a big hit from where he was last year. Waddle takes a little bit of a hit now that Tyreek's there. So it, it's just like a – it's intriguing for sure. And, and I do like Tua as a, a quarterback too because of the weapons, but it's not one that I'm like sprinting after either, if that makes sense. It makes sense. I am not really a Tua believer. Yeah. But I agree completely with what you said. I mean, he's – no one can say he doesn't have the weapons at this point. No. So, so what did you think of uh, Tyreek Hill just coming over and throwing shade and just being like, oh, yeah, he's, like, he's more a- accurate than Tyreek Hill. Like, what are you doing, man? Just Come on. You know, no need like, for that. It's so stupid, too. You just look like a fucking idiot. Like, right. You're going to – because because I got news for you, buddy. Like, the numbers aren't going to lie at the end of this year. No. And these are not going to be Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill numbers. No. They're just no. not. What what are you doing? Why how well, there's not a galaxy that exists that Tua's even sniffing the jock strap of Pat Mahomes. And why just um, like just shut up, man. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, you want to talk running backs? Yeah, I, I do because I am really intrigued by Chase Edmonds. I, you know, I have him at 33% of mm-hmm. the carries here. Uh, only 159 carries. 
And he's still coming out right around my top 20 running backs because I think he's going to see 66 targets. He is a very efficient receiver, very efficient runner. Um, He averaged, I think, over five yards per carry on zone carries last year. That's obviously what Mike McDaniel brings over from the 49ers. So, I I mean, I always love any running back in that Shanahan zone style scheme. This is the guy that's been kind of crafting that run game behind the scenes. So I obviously like the running backs here. And I think Chase Edmonds, you're getting paid 12 million compared to less than a, you know, right around a million for the other backs. It's the follow the money. He's going to get the majority of the work. All the early beat writers are speculating. He's going to get a lot of the work. He's going to get a lot of receiving work. So I, I really like Edmonds and especially I like that he goes in round 10. I feel like there's a lot of guys that keep saying like round 10. I love him. Chase Edmonds is the one I've been ending up with probably more than any of those other guys. Um, even round 11 sometimes. I see You've him got him Pollard. right in that Pollard, Singletary, Patterson group. Yeah. And like those guys probably have a little bit more upside. But I mean, we've seen whenever Chase Edmonds gets those like clear cut starts, he has, he's put up 30 point days. Yeah, they might have, all those guys might have lower floors too, though. Yeah, exactly. I think he's got a better bet for like a guaranteed 225-ish touches. And mm-hmm. a lot of that coming through the air. And we know how much more valuable that is. So yeah, that's fair. I, I, I'm a really big fan of him. And I, I, I'll i take stabs because you can get Mostert and Michelle both in the last round of your draft. I, I prefer Mostert just even Me though too. the injury risk is a, a whole lot higher than him. We also know like the sports car 60-yard touchdown runs. Uh, yeah, you're chasing upside once you're at that point anyway. Exactly. So, and I, I think Mostert has that. He certainly is familiar with Mike McDaniels coming over from the 49ers with him. But Sony also did show a solid amount of, of burst and juice at the end of last year. So I really like all three running backs at their cost right now. Certainly Edmonds at the highest, but I'll take a last round stab of Michelle and Mostert because Edmonds does have a pretty lengthy injury history. We know Mostert's a sports car that breaks down every year. So I, there's going to be a probably at least a handful of games that Michelle starts. And I think Michelle, especially because if he's starting, that means the other guys are down like as the only lead back. He could do some real damage. I think Gaskin's out of here. I think you know Ahmed's out of here. I'm not intrigued by them at all. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really like the running backs and this is another one of those pies, you know, 132 comes out for 24% share, 121 for 22% for Tyreek and Waddle, like good numbers. I think it's just going to be a lot of dinking and dunking and like nice run after the catch, but like, it's not going to be Mahomes 70 yard bombs ripping off the demons. Like he'll have that happen every now and again. Weirdly, I did see a stat that like Tua was a top five deep passer last year in accuracy. I saw that too. Bottom five and deep pass attempts. So maybe there is a ceiling here that we're just kind of overlooking and Tua does go for like 4,800 and the receivers go nuts and so do the running backs. That does not feel like Tua to me, but I I guess there's an underrated ceiling. I'm willing to be convinced. It's not like something I'm going to dig my heels in on. It's just, I haven't been dazzled at all yet. So we'll see what what happens. Me neither. Me neither. You know, we we just know that Tua loves throwing to Gusecki. He's been one of the target leaders back to back years. I think he takes an obvious hit. Now that you got Tyreek Waddle, a good running back and Edmonds to throw to like maybe the fourth on the totem pole now. So I do think that's a, a decent hit. I have him still for 94 targets though. And, and he's plenty athletic to do some good damage with that. So yep. I still like this. He has a low end tight end one, high end tight end two. So all right. solid all around pieces that, you know, I, I'm not getting a lot of Tyreek because I haven't slotted as a wide receiver 14 in my projections. He's going as like the wide receiver six. So I, I haven't been getting a lot of him. I haven't been getting a lot of Waddle either because he goes above like so, Deontay Wad- Johnson. So just Robinson. so you know, you have a pretty substantial discrepancy on Waddle. Hill, yeah. you actually, your projections had him come out 10th, I think. And mm. uh, and you have him eighth on your big board, which I was a little Waddle? surprised. 
no, uh, Hill. Oh, okay. I was going to say Waddle definitely not that high. No, Waddle's the one that you have the big discrepancy on, though. You have Waddle projected at 24th, and you like him at 17 on your big board. I was actually surprised by yeah. – uh, I was like, that didn't quite seem right to me. Like, you have him over Gabe Davis. Uh, you know, you got him over – Really? Okay, yeah. I don't like that. No, <laughs> I don't like that either. Yeah, I'll you got him, you know, you got him over – some guys where it's like, I can see the, are you got him over Brandon cooks, Hollywood, uh, yeah. Mike, Mike Williams. Who's like, eh, I think you might even have Mike Williams too high over Terry McLaurin. I don't know, but I definitely don't like him over Gabe Davis. 17 yeah. seems high for me. And like I said, your projections have him uh 24th quite a bit. Yeah. Later. Interesting. We're about to talk about Mike Davis too, who I, I had it like wide receiver 30. And then Mike Williams not coming Mike, out, I, I felt a lot better about him. You mean Mike Williams, not Mike. Mike Williams. Davis. Yeah. Mike, Mike Davis. <laughs> yeah, right. We don't need it. We've already talked about Mike Davis two yeah. times in two days, which is too much. I know. All I right. saved that, that, that division for last though, truth, just because there's so many juicy teams to talk yeah, about. Yeah. I know like by the last <laughs> division, we're losing steam and it's like, oh, well, okay. We get to talk about these four teams. Right. Then let's, All right, well, so, let's, let's burn through this one real quick. Yeah. And then um, yeah, I, I will say though, you do have a, some discrepancies. You want to hear some of the discrepancies you got on the board? Please. Yeah. All right. Brees Hall, who I've heard you talk about quite a bit. Like you, you, you like him. I do. Um, I'm skeptical just because of my Jets prejudice, but you actually have him projected as your uh, RB 12. Pretty high, like and, but he's only 18 on your big board. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. one of those where it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got a little of that Jets prejudice too. You're like, I don't really believe it. Yeah. We'll I don't know. That's, so that was a decent discrepancy. Now going the other way, you have Elijah Moore only projected as your wide receiver 38. You actually have him five spots higher on the big board though. You like yeah, Elijah Moore. So, yeah, that's kind of my big takeaways with the Jets. We don't need to talk about Zach Wilson. Just he no, sucks. We don't. Zach Wilson sucks. The offense is going to run, you know, minus 50 overall plays. Not into it. So, you mentioned the guy I do like. The only Jet I really want to draft at this point is Brees Hall. I, people talking about Michael Carter forcing a committee are just fucking insane. Brees Hall is a different level of player. He's going to show that in training camp. He's going to see, as I project, 61% of the work, and, you know, he's going to take over. A lot of people saying Carter's a really good receiver. He's going to stay. No, it's going to be. I still have Carter's getting like 35 targets. This team actually targeted running backs, I think, at the fourth highest clip last year. Oh, so wow. I think there's a, a pretty good pie for the running backs. I think Brees Hall, you know, one of the better receiving backs to come out in, in many years. And that's why he's coming out so high on the projections. I guess the little discrepancy is he's on the Jets. But this is a, a top 12 offensive line when they're all healthy and playing well. Um, so I, I really do like Brees Hall because he can do a little bit of damage absent of Zach, Will, Will, uh, Zach Wilson. Whereas Elijah Moore is tied to this guy and his four best games, he had a monstrous explosion of Elijah Moore over last season. Mm -hmm. All those games came with big game, Mike White or Joe Flacco at quarterback. None of them came with uh, Zach Wilson. And so that's why, you know, I believe in the talent. I've seen just dominant stretches from Elijah Moore. So that's why this might be that like uh, five spots higher because maybe Zach Wilson does get it together. And then Elijah Moore would be a freak, but he's a guy like we've taken him in some best ball drafts my behest being like, I just love the player. This seems way too late for him. But when I statted it out, I, I he came out way lower than I expected to. And I, I wanted to be like, how do I tweak this? Cause I really like Elijah Moore. And I just was like, no, I guess, I guess I just did. I don't like, I really just don't like it because I, I, I mean, 20% target share, like him, Davis and, and, and Wilson are all very similar players. And I'm and- not touching anybody on this team. And let me tell you something, Gary W. <sighs> Gary W. Oh no, Wolf blinded by the Jets again. Remember, drafting a Jets player is the quickest way to fantasy football failure. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's legit. The only guy, I guess I, I can summarize 
all of New York with this. Brees Hall, Saquon Barkley, Bondale Robinson Lee. That's it. Th- those are the only New York players I want on my teams. <laughs> I don't really want any of those guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't want Saquon or Brees? I, I, I think that there's people around them that I would want more. I mean, I, it's like, you know, sure, there's a price tag for everybody. Like I said, there's a point. It's just I find it very hard to believe. Talking about somebody like Saquon, what's he, a second-round player? Something like that? Yeah. I yeah. find it very hard to believe in the second round that I would be taking a stab at Saquon Barkley. I just can't. Yeah. I really can't see it. Uh, he's, um, he's good. He's going to be He's going to be good this year as long as he – but, I mean, health remains that, that big question. So, uh, we'll see. Know, man. We'll see. I mean, look, if, if, say if Jets and Giants players start putting up big, big numbers, you can tap dance on my grave. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's I thought, talk. I'm neither one – No, nobody on that offense besides the two running backs are viable in my opinion. Right, but I think that's inherently dangerous. <laughs> like you have like, you know, a good running back on each. I mean, you know, it doesn't take a genius to be like, all right, let's stop that guy. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Chiefs, shall we? I know. I wish our man Mitch Chavez. We haven't seen him know, on the last Mitch couple screens. I hope all is well, Mitch. Uh, you, maybe he's listening to the podcast, so shout out to you if you are. Uh, I think he's going to be a little bit upset with how I have his Chiefs projected out here. Wolf, are you going to be next? Uh, Gary says you're going to be drafting Braxton Berrios. <laughs> Who was the number <laughs> wide receiver to be in the football playoffs? <laughs> he won people leagues last year if you started him as a waiver wire pickup. Nobody did. It's okay. Um, I, I, CJ started him in a league. I, I know a couple people who at my behest started him and were very happy with the results. All right. Well, <laughs> let's talk about a guy that you legitimately pumped up. Um, and got in on the ground floor on. We'll just start because oh, yeah. everything with the Chiefs starts with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, you know, he's no Mitch Trubisky, but he's still pretty good. <laughs> and, you know, you've actually got him projected as your quarterback nine, which just seems like blasphemy. But, like, even with those projections, you're just like, nah, he's still the third guy I'd take. Yeah. He, he's just, like you said, we got on the ground floor. I'll always love him for, you know, making us look as smart as we did in 2018. Uh, the best, the best of the best predictions I think we've ever had were, yeah. was Pat Mahomes, and and largely because he's just so damn good that like, I, I, sensically like it, it above QB nine. Like when I look at his weapons, doesn't seem possible. But Mahomes is that type of talent that could elevate everybody to insane levels. So I I have re- this was probably the hardest team for me to sit and project because I look at the weapons. I mean the backfield, Hilaire Jones. Derek Gore is really Jarek McKinnon. Right, it's they McKinnon. haven't updated the, the projection machine. So Jarek McKinnon, Juju, Skymore, MBS, and Harmon. Like, until you get to Kelsey, not a single one of those names excites me. No. Mahomes is the has the ability to take shit and turn it into like a beautiful marble sculpture, too. So uh, somebody will probably do a whole lot better than I'm projecting them for. Well, we said the same thing about the Packers, right? Yeah, it's like, it's, I, I think that you are probably right. Somebody is going to, I don't know who. And uh, it's kind of one of those things where you'll be surprised when you see it, but not super surprised. Well, one, we do know who at least, at least I'm projecting to do really well. And what a bold call by me, Travis Kelsey. Where do you no. like him overall in your big board? I think I have him right around like 10 to 12, okay. right toward the bottom of, of round one. Just because there's so many running backs, like a bell cow, I like to get there. But I, I've I've taken him. If I have picked twelve in best ball and he's there, I, I take him every time. Sure, he doesn't get out of round one for me. No, okay, that's fair. Um, so 158 targets, that would be right around a career high for him. 107 catches, you know, nearly 1400 yards, 10 touchdowns. Like none of that 
should be impossible. My one worry with him is now that you don't have Tyree Kill drawing attention, none of these other guys, like MVS can stretch the field, but Not I don't like know Tyree that I rely or... on him to be like overly threatening to defenses just because he's going to drop every deep ball that comes his way. So I, I am a little worried that defense is just going to stack everything to take out Travis Kelsey. And maybe they can like at 35, maybe he isn't what he used to be. And now I, then I really don't like Mahomes. If I don't like Kelsey here, I, I don't know. It's just, it's such a weird thing to say. Cause how does Mahomes not throw 5k and 50 touchdowns? Like that's what he does. So I don't know, but Kelsey, I think should be still the number one tight end and a first round block because he probably will get, I, I believe in Andy Reid enough to, to scheme him up well and have himself a dominant season. So I wanted to at least explain what the floor could be, but I don't know that. I don't think I think he hits that. All right. Big comment coming in from, uh, I don't know if you know this lady, uh, wants you to come to the anchor. Ah, hello, Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite places. I don't know who that is, but uh, maybe I could join you at the anchor at some point. You look somewhat cute in that picture. I know I she really seems, tell. she seems like a looker. Yeah. You might want to, might want to go there. Maybe, maybe I got to get to the anchor at some point. All right. Well, we got like three teams to go. We'll go. Um, and I just want to say, I, I hear everything you're saying about Mahomes, about why you have him down there. I think your stats for him are going to end up being low. Yeah, it, probably. It just okay. So now let's look at the receivers, and then you tell me. I'll, I'll give you my take on them. It, it might be a, it point. might be a tough thing for me to back up. I'm just saying, like it's it's another. You know, I told you, like I have to see the Jets succeed before I will believe that they yeah can ever succeed. You got to show me Mahomes putting up pedestrian numbers like that before I'm going to believe it. It's going to happen. Though, you know what I mean? Pedestrian numbers. I mean, I have him still going for nearly 4,800 yards, 34 touchdowns with another two on the ground and 310 rushing yards. Like those are pedestrian numbers for him for him. Yeah. But that's still pretty damn good numbers. I just think it's, he's thrown to I, pedestrians at this I, point. He, he is. And you can uh, rattle off what you were going to rattle off. I'm, I'm not promising so, I can defend my take. I'm just telling so you. The big one that people are kind of apparently anointing as the new number one is Juju. He's going right in round five. I mean, a lot of times over Allen Robinson, which <laughs> so laughable to me. Um, I, We've seen Juju be an anchor in a passing game. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've seen Juju do that, but it's been every single year since 2019. It's gone down, 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 down his efficiency as a receiver. Was that playing with Big Ben? Maybe, but he's the type of player that kind of benefits from that, that short, quick. He's, I don't think he's an anchor and maybe not. If if anybody here is going to blow up, and what Rotoviz had him projected at before I changed everything, like they had him at like over a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. Maybe he could do that, Fine. and that's what a lot of people are saying. And Fine. I've heard like the next Cooper Cup type of argument where, oh come on, you know he gets the quarterback upgrade, and now suddenly he can he can really blow up and take off. We haven't seen that juju in probably two years, so I'm not going to sit here and bank on that happening. Maybe it's Sky Moore. Maybe the exciting rookie comes in. And from day one, he has the smarts to pick up a very complex scheme. And he has the deep speed to, to attack every layer of the field while also being a very viable underneath threat. Maybe it's him. Marquez Valdez-Gantling is the one they're talking about being the, the biggest target of all right now. He's he's not just the deep threat. He's doing the intermediate stuff. And he's pumped because his route tree is more expansive than it's ever been. And then Hardman's the guy that's going in the backfield. and. The, they all just seem like kind of mad though. I I don't know which one 16, 13, 14, 10% target share. Like 
I don't know which one gets bumped up to 23 and can suddenly blow up like what Tyreek Hill was doing. I don't know that any of them do. And it's similar to the Packers, like you said, I I don't know who I can sit here and be like, that's going to be the guy that gets 20. No, it's, just, it's the same thing. Starts. I can't tell you who's going to do it. Um, um, but I, I believe in Pat, Patrick Mahomes. I just absolutely I do, do too. Jack, How could we not? Like, Jack you know, Morin says, does Juju doing TikTok dances with Jackson Mahomes boost him up the draft board at all? Oh, no, that sends him plummeting. Fuck that. And Jackson Mahomes is the most rotten person on planet Earth. So I think that is another reason why I want Juju nowhere near me because I know he's a big TikTok fucking weirdo. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Whoever wrote that didn't know they were just going to get a fucking fistful of rage out of my mouth. Oh, no, he's pushing your buttons there. (laughs) Uh, All right, fair enough. Thank you. You accomplished it. And then, and then, you know, we didn't even talk about the running backs because a Pat Mahomes offense <sighs> should have a very viable running back. I'll tell you this, not going back for the Clyde Edwards Hilaire experience. It hasn't been fun yet. Nope. I don't see why it would get fun this year. Ronald Jones is, today the report came out that Ronald Jones has a very real shot to win the starting job. Ugh, well, that oh tells God. you all you need to know. Exactly. It's going to be a, a three like Mahomes is going to be throwing the ball a lot. You know, the only one that I want is because, like you just said, Mahomes throwing the ball up. Give me McKinnon in round. <laughs> How many times is that? You would have thought that would come out of my mouth. Give me McKinnon. <laughs> right. But I actually kind of like Jarek McKinnon. Uh, what oh, are you going to do? Stretch run. Of, I know you don't. But last no, year. No, I mean, look, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know me. I'm the type of guy when, when somebody burns me, it's, I'm, I'm, you take like on a, bridge I'm like a now. wounded animal and I don't forgive them. Yes, I understand that. The thing with McKinnon is it, the role is a lot different. We were trying to hope for this bell cow role with the 49ers that just, it's not McKinnon. But the Chiefs, Andy Reid, decided to use him really well in particular down the stretch in the playoffs, especially as a receiver. And he made their offense so dynamic. He was starting against the Cincinnati Bengals in that game, looking great up the gut, but also especially in the receiving game. He averaged over 17.9 fantasy points per game. In the playoffs, he played all almost all the snaps ahead of Clyde Hilaire. I think he got 80 snaps compared to 25 for Hilaire when they both came back and were, were on the same field. So to me, uh, the biggest thing is Clyde versus Hilaire goes in round like seven. That is just no, thank you. no way. No, thank you. If I'm taking anybody, maybe it's Ronald Jones in round 10 for the touchdown upside. But we've already talked about all the round 10 guys. Go I like way him. over that. I, I actually do like if I if I need a running back and I need it late. I think McKinnon, the PPR upside, isn't horrible. But other than that, I, I just don't know what receiver. I'm really hoping. I guess that's something to monitor in training camp, both them and the Packers. Like, does somebody emerge and, and clearly showing that they're, like, the go-to guy in training camp? Because if not, I, I probably won't take any of them, and, and somebody will probably Even that in training camp, that that's tough. Who was the uh, – Right? Yeah, exactly. I guess who, was the guy, who was the guy that wowed us so much uh, in training camp? Uh, the guy in the Saints. What was his name? Um, uh what was it? I was it how long ago was it? No, last year. Thomas. I no, mean. last year. Last year, he was amazing. Oh, uh, Mar- Marquez Callaway. Yes, yeah. there yeah, you go. Car- right. Yeah. I mean, it's like we were just like, oh yeah, you'd have to be a fool. And I mean, what? Yeah, what was that? Yeah. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. Raiders. Oh yeah. These are kind of fun teams to talk about. I love this division. This division is going to be so fun. Oh. oh yeah, it's gonna be exciting. Like I, I know we'll talk about it at the end, but like how we see this shake out, I'm I'm really intrigued to see okay. how you. See I'm, this I'm interested in your take as well. Derek yeah. Carr, total totally viable fantasy starter. You know, Absolutely, top ten guy probably. Already and, was, and then you inject <laughs> Devonte Adams in there. Like sure, yeah, 
Absolutely. I think the 28 touchdowns I have right here are probably pretty low. I think he crosses that threshold now that he has Adams. Oh, I, I think so too. I think, I, uh, yeah, I think like the 34 you had for Mahomes is probably more the ball. Yeah, you know, it's probably Darren Wall. Darren Wall is going to have more than five touchdowns, I imagine, right? So I'll bump I would that so. up. Oh, I would think so. I mean, I'll bump that up a few. I mean, Carr, I don't know if Carr's actually ever in his career thrown for more than 30, and that might have been part of my hesitancy. But yeah, but he's never had a guy like that. I mean, I don't know. I guess he threw to Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper back in the day. But uh, yeah, he did, and he was really good. That was his MVP. He was great. I thought he was. I thought he was the most valuable player that year. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Running backs. I'm not that excited about the running backs. No, Josh Jacobs. I think is one of the most overrated players in fantasy. Remember, Josh McDaniels is coming in here. Patriots committee nightmare, and that's music to Josh Jacobs' ears. Oh yeah, he has been a, a top. 15 running back in back-to-back years. I think this is a year it, it falls and it falls drastically. He already, Jacob, is saying, I want running mates. I don't want to be the guy. I like committees so I can stay fresh. And, like, I guess good for him, you know, his NFL career. Horrible for us fantasy owners. And, and who who's more important than us, Truth? I mean, come on, Josh Jacobs. You're not running hard for me. You don't want all your 270 carries for the guy sitting in Beverly, Massachusetts, recording a podcast about you. Who, who are you? Who do you think you are? I know, seriously, the nerve of this. <laughs> we pay guy. your bills, Josh. Um, and we but do. No, I, I think it's going to be a mess, and that's as you can see the the running back shares here: 45 to Josh, 25 percent to Zamir White, who they're already saying they didn't pick up the fifth year option on Josh Jacobs because they want to groom Zamir White as their back of the future, the rookie they took this year. Kenyon Drake, we know, is a fairly capable guy who probably will be the lead receiving back. So you're splitting up the the rushing pie about three ways. You're splitting up the receiving pie three ways. It, it maybe Jacobs. I, I actually really do like Jacobs as a player. So you know, if you told me he he's, he's suddenly going to get sixty percent of the work here across the the running and receiving games, I'd put him right back into my top fifteen running backs. I just don't see that happening because that's not how Josh McDaniels operates. That's not how Josh Jacobs wants to be used. So. No, I, I don't think it happens. Receiving core, especially when you include Darren Waller, which you have to. Uh, now that gets pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. Obviously, you're taking Devontae Adams, who, you know, everybody knows Cooper Cup was the best receiver in the NFL last year. But most people, I would say, if you had said who's the best receiver in the NFL, I think most people probably would have said yeah. Devontae Adams. Uh, if you said Cup, I hear you. I mean, he's had the best season, certainly, of anybody. Devontae Adams leaving the Packers in what I at least perceive to be a gigantic fuck you, uh, you know, which <laughs> I really, really, really enjoyed. And I know you did too. A hundred percent. You know, just like. We didn't even talk about Roger's tattoo, by the way. Did you see Oh, that? I saw it uh, yesterday after we got on the <laughs> off the air. I was listening to podcasts. I was kind of watching some uh, like sports with the sound off. And I flipped through like kind of like a news magazine on my phone and I came across that was one of the stories I came across. I almost texted you. I was yeah. like, nah, he just talked to me for three hours. He probably doesn't want to talk with me about <laughs> you it. Should have. You should know, have. I could, I, yeah, we could talk. I could talk to you for 10 hours, Truth. Uh, it's true. I feel the same way. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but what a dipshit. Anyway, he left with a huge F you. Uh, you have to think his numbers are going to go down a little bit. I mean, uh, Derek Carr's good. He's not Aaron Rodgers, but you never know, man. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, the reason they had to go down is because some of those numbers were just insane, like just like almost seemed unreal, like his red zone usage, stuff like that with Rogers, like that's unparalleled. You still like him for over 100 receptions, over 150 targets, uh, over 10 touchdowns. Great, 
great numbers. We think he's still going to be one of the top guys. What do we have him like? What do you have him sixth or number something? Number five, right? Yeah, yeah, number five. Somewhere around there. Now, the next guy, Hunter Renfro, I've been saving this one. This is your biggest significant discrepancy of any player at any position uh, I know. between between your projections and your big board. And yeah. it, I mean, it's really significant because you have guys with bigger discrepancies, but they're further down. You know, when you're talking about guys that are like your wide receiver 60 or 65 or something yeah. like that, it's, it's but this is a, a huge one. You have Renfro projected as your wide receiver 12, but you have him 27 on your big board. Whew. Explain that for me. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean that's that's a massive discrepancy. Yeah. For we'll, a high we'll number. We'll cross Adams off the bridge in the sense of like you you summarize it perfectly. Like he's going to still be a top five guy, but he's not going to be the number one guy where he was seeing 180 to 200 targets a year. He's not going to have 18 and, touchdowns insane. or something like that. Right? He has the nice pre-established rapport with um, with Carr. I guess the one downside is they're talking about him playing exclusively outside, and he did a lot of his damage when they moved him in and, and found yep. mismatches. Yep. I, I still think he's just that good that it doesn't really end up mattering. But I also think the slot role is, is why I have Renfro – so, so high here. A Patriots receiver was on pace for 150 or more, the slot receiver for the Pats, in every single year that McDaniels has been there, other than like the Cam Newton era. Um, yeah, Tom Brady's a part of that, but I think him and Carr are very similar in, in style, not level of talent, but style. He, he likes the checkdowns. He likes the safe throws. We've seen Renfro become his go-to security blanket. I, I think even with 156 targets going to Adams, with 130 probably going to Waller, I still think there's room for – I'm, I'm going to bump down Renfro probably to 125-ish targets. I have him at 144 So now. you're going to change your projections, not your big yeah. board ranking. Yeah, and Interesting. It's, it's just because the guys around him are so damn good. But at the end of the day, I mean, Renfro could catch 100 balls. I, it's a belief in the, the role of a system, which can always be a risk. But he is just such a damn good slot receiver. And he's actually particularly slippery in the red zone, especially as that connection with Carr in there. That like it seems insane to have 109 catches, right. 1100 yards, and seven touchdowns. That seems crazy, but I think we can all look back. Like when Randy Moss came to the the Pats, nobody wanted Welker. It was like you know ninth, tenth round, and Welker put up you know a solid 1200 six and and 110 catches even with Moss putting up 27 touchdowns and Let something me, nuts. Like, okay, let's let's play a little game here with Renfro yeah. real quick. I'm just going to name a player and you tell me if you'd rather have them or Renfro. Okay? I, I, I know I have Renfro projected above all of them. It's just... No, I, I, no, not I, all of them. The other part of this... Would you rather have Rashad Bateman or Hunter Renfro? Bateman, the number really? one. Would I you think, really? I don't know. <laughs> not me, man. Uh, yeah, nah. Would you rather have uh, Darnell Mooney or Renfro? You, the, the difference with those guys is like their ceiling cases, both of them, Bateman and Mooney, could end up going for like 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. Very unlikely they I hit mean, that. Maybe. But they, they have the path to maybe being a number one receiver. Renfro is always going to be at least nibbling with Adams. And if Adams went down, Waller's still there. Like he would take two injuries. Whereas those guys are both number one primary targets on their teams. I guess, you know, Andrews is there with Bateman, but number one receiver for sure. So it is just like the ceiling. I think I have what I've done here is I probably projected Renfro at his peak. Like there's no way he's going to ever get better than 109, 1107. But I also don't think he's going to be old, old, like that much lower than them. 
the other thing too is like you can get him in round seven or eight. Like he's I, I've been loading up on Hunter Renfro at his price. So like there's that whole balancing act, right? Of like they're just like I, I like Renfro's floor more than either of those guys you just mentioned, but the ceiling case for both of them feels a lot higher than what Renfro could do, I guess. I don't know. I, I really do like Renfro. I don't want to. It's not a terrible defense. It, I, I do love Renfro. Also, I don't want to come just, off anti-Renfro. I, I really no, do. You're not I, coming really. off anti-Renfro. I think you love the guy. I, I'm I surprised do. that you don't. Uh, that I, I thought it would go the other way. I thought you would move him up your big board instead Maybe. of moving the projections. I'll, I'll have to 27 seems low to me. Also, as an aside, I'm just looking at the receivers in this category. So funny that Renfro, who I think you have ranked a little low, it's solidly like three, four spots above DK Metcalf. <laughs> the pictures of them side by you're side. Just like, you're just like, you're just like, nah, man. <laughs> nah, I'm not interested in that guy. And it's true. I'm really not. I'm not. It, I mean, I never thought I would say like, yeah, I'm not, really, I'm not really interested in DK Metcalf. Right? Oh, man. All right. Let's oh. hit the Broncos. Let's hit. Yeah. Your Broncos. Your Denver Broncos. Yeah. They haven't really been my Broncos in a while, but like, you know, I, I'm, I'm open-minded to getting excited about them. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Broncos. Obviously it all starts with the fact that they got Russell Wilson. Oh yeah. Yeah. And who are, who are name like maybe name me like four past Broncos quarterbacks, like between Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson. Like Trevor Simeon was one. Um, um, Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch. <laughs> that's, that's a good one to toss out there. Was Kyle Orton. I think he was before Manning, right? Brock Kyle Osweiler. Orton. Right. Um, Osweiler was in there. Oh, yeah. Just hideousness. Absolutely. Yeah, hideous. Drew, uh, Drew, Locke. Drew Locke. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there's four. There's four guys. Teddy so, Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Probably the best of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'll so that, that gives you some idea of the shoes that Russell Wilson has to fill. Not very big shoes. No, no, not at all. I, I really like Russell as a player. I think he's going to walk in there and make this team so much more competitive. Uh, he's coming for, into the. Uh, the uh, new head coach there too, Hackett, who is interesting. He's interesting. Um, he, he was with the Packers, obviously, the last couple of years, but LaFleur is the one calling the plays there. But Hackett did have some mildly intriguing teams during his time with the Jets and the Bills. Some were up, some were down. There were definitely a few trends that stuck out with um, with what he likes to do. He, he likes to target the running backs a lot. So I thought I was going to be a lot lower on Javante, but his teams have always had at least 20% target share other than like one year um it's been at least 20 percent target share with at least 60 receptions uh 60 rather targets going to the lead back so that really buoyed up Javante Williams who I was nervous about Melvin Gordon coming back and the the cheese nibbling but I think if he gets that type of receiving workload that we've we've typically seen unloaded to a Hackett lead back that could be great now another uh, a great comment on Twitter to counter me was well Russell Wilson targets running backs at a ridiculously low rate so what happens when these two worlds meet a coach that likes to target running backs, a player that really hasn't, I don't know, but I imagine Russell Wilson will have no problem throwing to a talent like Javante Williams uh, down in the flat. Um, that has me a little bit lower on the receivers though. And I, that it, it feels uncomfortable because Russell Wilson had two top 20 receivers in DK Metcalf and Lockett for nearly their entire, entire career altogether. Um, at least the last four years. And you know, I, I think Judy and Sutton aren't quite the level of the talent. So maybe that's what's playing for me. But I, I don't think either of them projected inside my top 20, which just doesn't feel right either. So they didn't. Uh, you Sutton projected tw as your wide receiver 21, but you did put him 16 on your big board. Yeah. 
it, it, that's kind of the upside of, of right. And I think he's the one that emerges. I like him more than Judy. I'm not a big, a lot of people will just keep forgiving Judy. And I, we've seen clips of some beautiful routes, but like, stay healthy, put it all together. I, I, I don't, I can't crown you right now. No. I would lean towards uh, Sutton also. Definitely. Timmy Patrick seems to always be underrated too. He just always yeah. kind of consistent, gets it done. Um, I, I really do think Wilson, uh, KJ Hamler could be a really great steal as a, a, a awesome deep speed. He's coming off a tough surgery. So we'll see. It, we've really never seen an extended action from him, but man, that guy could fly. So he could be really exciting. I have it 22% going Sutton, 19% Judy, 15% Patrick, 12% to the backs, which really has me just almost all the way out on Albert O, which I, I was kind of surprised by because I know we've hyped him up on the pod a few times, or I have. I know you. Well, you had, Al, you, you had Albert O, uh, you have him going well above your projection. I mean, you have him outside of your starting range no matter what, but you got Albert O as your 27th ranked tight end, which is. And but then you got him 20, but then you got him 20th on the big board. Yeah. So yeah, production wise, he did not come out good. I I wonder if I'm just underselling the pie here, but if Hackett's follows his history, he does like to run the ball a lot. He he typically is under league average in plays. It's just so weird because Russell Wilson's been in like one of the worst offensive systems and he was still able to kind of foster a bunch of top 20 receivers. And yet I'm not having him do that here. It just doesn't feel right. I think maybe that Lee Sutton has to get bumped up a little bit for me in my projections. I just don't know what's off though. 1110 yards, eight touchdowns. Maybe those touchdowns need to be a little bit higher. That's that's a tough thing to call though. I, I mean, I don't know. My instinct is you're right. Like maybe the pie is not quite big enough, but you're like doing research. It's not like you're randomly no, uh, not picking this. You've actually done your homework here and everything you're saying makes sense to me. So I, I don't know. Let's roll with it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. I, I They're similar to the Cardinals to me from yesterday where I thought I was going to come out a lot higher on a lot of their weapons and, and just based on the numbers and the research and the trends, like they just didn't come out where I thought they would. So yeah. I think real life wise, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be a problem. They're going to have a very good defense that's complemented now, finally, with the quarterback that could get it done. I mean, they could be the top team in this division. They really yeah. could. I just don't know that. I do think that. And I think that's going to be like 20 top. That's nuts, man. I really do want to hear your breakdown of the division because I. It's so hard. I, I'm, I'm just like looking at him now and I'm like, God, I don't know. Like it could be anybody. It could. Um, be. Also, before we roll on to the final team, CJ, you, Renfro, way better than Bateman. Way better than who? Bateman. Oh, interesting. I, I love it. We can go. But I can't. I can't the, tell. But I can't tell if CJ is saying he likes Renfro more than Bateman or the other way around because of the U. I can't tell if he's saying ooh to the take of Renfro being better than Bateman or uh, the other way around. Yeah, that, that's my take. Days. My take is that Renfro, I would definitely rather have Renfro than Bateman. Uh, the Wolves was the opposite. I love the slot. I, but it's you, your way rather. I, I'm kind of like, I, I could go either way. I, I would rather have Bateman though for the ceiling. But man, it's, it's a, Renfro. It's, it's a clear-cut choice to me. I think the yeah. Ravens are a train wreck. We will see. I, I I love the slot role. I really think he's going to crush it in that role. All right. We'll see. Chargers, last team that we're going to do. Last um, team, baby. Saving one of the most exciting for last. Led with Justin Herbert, who's your QB2, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which, this is one of those also. This is. I mean, we've... Re- he basically took like a week off after the Super Bowl and then just started again. And you had him as your QB too. And I was like, you're crazy. And then you were like, tell me who I should have. And I looked and I was like, nah, you're probably right. Yeah. He's so, the man. Uh, okay. Ooh, Renfro is a thousand times better than Bateman is what he's saying. Thank you. CJ. Wow. Wow. Yeah, okay. All right. Me and I'm CJ, 
our brains put together probably almost equals one wolf brain. <laughs> no, no, you guys, are, that would be 10 times the wolf brain there. But I, 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 I have no problem as a site just being like all in on Renfro. That's fine with me. Like I, I really let the projections bared out Renfro being a top 12 receiver, a top 10 one in PPR. Like, I mean, that seems nuts, but it, it really isn't. It's not. Oh, I like man. it. I like it when people get on team truth. Everybody's right. always jumping on team wolf. I like it when, uh, when I, <laughs> when I have a little team myself. All right. Herbert QB two. You love him. There's a big, big, big pie that they're passing around. 61%. You like it. It's a lot. Oh, 670 pass attempts. That might actually be the most in the league. Uh, well over league average in total plays. So yeah, I absolutely love this team to sling, sling early, sling often. They, they remind me of the, the bills in the sense that they just push the pace and, and keep going, but they also are usually fighting for their lives because they're the defense has not been good historically. They just they, seem they, like a poorly coached team, right? <laughs> yeah. They last year they seemed to get a little bit better. They they yeah. took a lot of unnecessary risks, it seemed at times, but I don't even hate that. Like put the ball in your players' hands, let them do their things. That that long term, I think, is gonna have a big impact, like that type of confidence. And and that they could come out dangerous. They added a lot of weapons on defense. I'm intrigued to see what that does and see if that impacts the offense in any ways, like if they, if they're if you know don't need to keep their pedal to the metal, but I, I suspect this is the type of team that given how aggressive they are on fourth downs and everything, if they're leading, they're still going to just continue to go for your jugular like the bills do. That's why I'm not too worried about the the improved defense impact. I've seen people saying that. It's just, I, I think Herbert's going to be bombs away all, all year. You I know, think you're probably right. I don't right. know if this is the most passing yards I have for anybody, but I think it's pretty damn close. 100 and change. You had burrow around there too. Yeah, uh, I don't remember what his actual number was, but anyway, uh, you got him as your QB two to go along with Eckler, who is your RB two. Passing, I'm just pulling it up right now. I have Burrow leading the league in passing, but only by uh, like 30 yards with with Herbert up next. So, all right, yeah, um, yeah, he's right there. Absolutely, he's a beast. I mean, there's nothing else to say. He took the steps that we thought he would last year, and I think he's only going to continue to get it better. So, yeah, five thousand forty-one, like. Sign me up all day. And he can also run a little bit too. So huge fan there. And he looks like he's like 14. Yeah. The flow is great. You know, the zitty face. I love yeah, it. I know. Love it. And, <laughs> I love and it all. As I said, the two quarterback and pairing him with the two running back on your big board, Eckler. You love him. Love it. I love Eckler. I, I really do. Over Jonathan Taylor, uh, l- largely because of the receiving work and largely because they just didn't add. And he even himself was like, can we get a number two running back that can help me out, please? Even after they just drafted Isaiah Spiller, which I like Spiller. I think he's a great handcuff, a very high upside, like, you know, 10, 11 pick. I'm into that. But Eckler is still going to dominate this. Even only on 198 carries, less than 200 carries. He's just a red zone maven. He's always above 4.5 yards per carry. He's going to continue to do that. Well, he's going to continue to see over 100 targets. He's going to probably have right around 700 receiving yards and six touchdowns. I mean, he scored over 20 times last year. I have him for 15 here. And he could totally have room for more if this offense blows up like I do. I think Isaiah Spiller is a better running mate than Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson had a huge game when Eckler missed time, though, too. I think that's just part of the offense. Like, if Eckler does miss some games, Isaiah Spiller is going to be a running back one for that time. And I think they're going to try to get him. He's a good run zone, brother. So I think he's going to, you know, seven touchdowns here. I think part of that's like maybe Eckler misses a game and, and Spiller has a couple in that game. But I also think they're going to use him in the red zone a bit more to to spell Eckler, no matter how good he is in the red zone. The clutch drives in the in the tight games, Eckler will be that guy. But if they get an early lead, that, that's maybe where Spiller gets a little bit more work. Uh, he can catch the ball as well. So 
I'm intrigued by him as a handcuff, maybe behind only Alexander Madison in terms of like, I'm trying to think of this like anyone else in that level. Spiller's about, that level for me. Who's Isaiah McCaff- Spiller, Madison. Who's McCaff- like McCaffrey's backup. Who's McCaffrey's backup? Foreman. Like, I like but, Foreman. I do like Foreman. Although I, I, I don't think he's the receiving threat McCaffrey is, obviously. So it's not like I would be expecting like a, a replication, but I do like Foreman. As and it's as like a gross play. offense. But we talked about yesterday, it's a gross offense, but it's still very running back centric. We've seen Mike Davis in a gross offense be a running back one. So like, yeah, I, I really do like Foreman. Exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, he's a great handcuff too. We can do a whole show on handcuffs. Let's um, do it. I, I was impressed with where Keenan Allen came out in my ranking. Yeah, you, that guy keeps hanging around. You got him in your top, easily inside your top 10, which yeah. makes sense if you're talking about an aerial pie this big and he's the number one guy. It really does make sense. Yeah, it's not even him being overly efficient. 10 yards a catch, you know, 9, 1100 yards. Like, oh, okay, not bad. Um, Mike Williams was the one that kind of surprised me. Actually, more yards, as you can see, than Keenan Allen. Almost as many touchdowns. And, and honestly, there's room for that to continue to grow 79 catches. I, I like it all. The thing with Mike Williams, and I think why you're lower on him and why I started well, I'm lower on him because he was an f- extremely frustrating guy to own last year. Exactly. You know why? I mean, he was, I mean, that that's why I, I freely admit that. It, and that's, you know, and you know, where I have him project, that's kind of the difference between projections and rankings is in best ball, you don't need, those frustrations don't matter because you just want that mass of points. And, if 40 of them come in one week, great. Like that's honestly even better for best ball because, you know, if he does nothing, he's out of your lineup. That gives room for somebody else. Whereas Keenan Allen, like nice 15, 16, that, that does obviously way more valuable in a redraft league. But in, in best ball, like he's just kind of your nice wide receiver too. Whereas Mike Williams is in your lineup when it matters and he's going to vault your team to a ton of points. And then he's out of there and giving somebody else a spot uh, when not. So obviously that's maddening in, in redraft. But part of me does think he finds a little bit more consistency. And then you do have that that huge upside narrative of Keenan Allen's getting old. And there's a lot of solid treat, treats about trends here that at his age, like very few receivers did what he did at his age last year. And then almost none of them repeated with a very solid year the next year. So he would be really bucking history to have the year I'm projecting him for right now and projecting injury too, which we know has happened with Keenan Allen. So there is that also kind of added juice to Mike Williams. Like if Keenan Allen goes down and and God forbid it's for a significant amount of time, you've now got the clear alpha of a just bombs away quarterback, bombs away offense. Like it's like a a handcuff with very, very humongous benefits type of situation. I don't love, I mean, look, he was frustrating to own. I get best ball is, is different. You know, you're, you're shooting for just huge booms. So I get, I get the difference there. I will say there were some specific things I saw about Williams that I did not like. I mean, I, I, I saw the, I saw him drop a lot of balls. Yeah. I mean, to like, you know, the guy's numbers should have been bigger than what they were. Like I I'm trying to remember, I feel like I saw him like drop two in the end zone one game. Um, yeah. You and know, then, and mean, then he'll leap like 10 feet into the air and make the most ridiculous. Yeah. Acrobatic oh, the, look, ever the, seen. the town's <laughs> there. The town's yeah. there. I get it. In this offense, a guy like that should produce big numbers. He should produce the numbers that you have right here. And he might. He very well might. He Maybe probably he just will. Needs. It's just going to okay, be right. very inconsistent. Yeah. I'm with you. So anyway, that's that's my hesitation. Um, even though he frustrated the hell out of me last year, there's a number I would draft him at. I mean, it, it, he's not on my black ball list. Yeah. And he's then, not. you know, yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah. And I think I, I had him again on kind of a black ball list because I was so annoyed with him last year. Yeah, we but were so I, angry. You know, it is maddening. 
And yet there's a narrative. He just gets better and more consistent. There's a narrative. Keenan Allen gets, goes down and now he's the number one for this great attack. And, and even if none of that happens, he still clearly has some humongous upside every sure. given week. So absolutely, I, I've gotten much more into Mike Williams than I was uh, before. Another, we, we were just talking about, you know, the the battle between the Bills slot receivers, Palmer and Guyton battling out for the number three receiver job is a must monitor in camp. My early money is on Palmer. The early money of the athletic beat writers is on Palmer. I think he's a really nice player, and and I've been drafting a lot of Palmer uh, in that round twelve ish range right now. So I, I like Palmer a lot. I think he wins this job. And similar again, if Keenan Allen goes down, it happened last year. Keenan missed a game. Josh Palmer had two touchdowns in the two games Keenan Allen missed. So like he could step right in and kind of be a Keenan Allen like. And and if some if it was a we've seen Keenan Allen miss like full seasons at times, it might be. He's old, so I, I don't know. I, I really just like – I think he – he whoever wins the three job is like that handcuff with – kind of like Tyler Boyd, but, you know, a little sexier to me sure. at this point. And I do really like Gerald Everett. He projected as a top 12 tight end for me. I like him too. A very athletic guy, six touchdowns, seems very reasonable in this offense that, you know, Donald Parham could still catch his three. Jared Cook was right up there, and in, in, um, he's old. He was a corpse last year and he still was doing some good things they're talking about using you know gerald everett on jet sweep so i have him running in a touchdown too just a, a nice athlete in a, a great offense that needs a tight end i mean I, I really like he's my favorite tight end two to target right now i like him a lot too all there right now let's get down to business here let's rank these teams and yeah, i already i have mine in mind i'm not going to copy you i i've decided what my four rank is what's your rank i'm gonna go Oh man, I, it can go so many ways when you it really think about can. It. Like, it really can. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say three teams from this division make the playoffs. Like that's no. Can okay. four? Could all four make the playoffs? It doesn't I think work it's that mathematically way. possible because now Is there's it? seven. Yeah. There's seven teams that make the playoffs now. So I mean, they'd have to really beat up on teams outside their divisions. Yeah, which, which I think they, they might. Could. They might. Which they could. I would rank them. Ah. Uh, that's hard, I'm, right? I'm going to say Chiefs end up finishing at number one, followed by the Broncos. I'm going to say the Chargers are three and then the Raiders. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be so close. So okay. Chiefs, so, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders. What do you think? So I think the Chiefs will win the division. That does not mean that I think that the Chiefs will necessarily go the furthest in the playoffs of these teams. Um, and I, I'm not going to make any bets on that yet, but I do think the Chiefs will probably have the best record. I'm going to go Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard. Well, we man. both have the Raiders in the bottom. They are, they're going to end up winning it, you know. Like no, I have the Raiders third. I, I have the Raiders. I have the Raiders third. I have the Broncos fourth. Oh, you have the Broncos last. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No way. Russell Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Russell Wilson's too good. <laughs> I mean, where did Seattle finish last year? <sighs> yeah, mean, well, he was hurt for a lot of that too. Though. Okay, but and, they yeah. they sucked when he was playing. Yeah. All right. Fair. Fair. Okay. We'll see. I, I I mean, look, I I think he's a huge upgrade. I look, I, I want the Broncos to be good. I their don't. defense is legit. I, so is the Chargers. Maybe now it's it's such a good division. I, can't I mean, I, I yeah, I, I'm going with Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Yeah, 
And, Interesting stuff. And but if you told me the Raiders were going to win the division, I wouldn't be shocked. I really yeah. wouldn't. CJ says got- I was a year too early on my Herbert MVP and Chargers Super Bowl bets. This is the year. Bold, but you CJ's always been a big Chargers guy, and I mean. I, I, that wouldn't shock me. I, I have them coming in third, but man, I, I they're, could see they're it. fun to watch, dude. Oh, that, so is that J, J, I didn't even know it was J Mo who said this. This was actually yeah. one of my uh, former fantasy football club legends at uh, North Andover High School is now tuning in. Love nice. it, J Mo. I don't even know you're still there with us, but cheers. I didn't hear you even say J Mo. I think I like, I, I didn't, I didn't call him J Mo. I called him his actual name, Jack Moore. I don't yeah. know him as J Mo. Oh, he's a legend. I don't know him uh, at all. But now, oh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I feel like I gave like a really spiteful, angry response, not knowing it was one of my former students. So my apologies. <laughs> oh, he's one of your former students. I thought you meant he was one of the guys you went to high school with. No, no, no. He uh, he went to North Day where, nice. where I teach and he was one of the founding members of the fantasy football club there. Nice. Legend. Legend. Good um, stuff. Great projection from CJ too. Spot on. Seven vodka sodas and uh, one anchor hole for Hills. He's pretty good. That sounds pretty great. fair. She's uh, more into, and what I've gotten really into, CJ, if you come back to the anchor, the painkillers there this summer, oh, they are slapping. The painkillers? Yeah, their painkillers are phenomenal. Is that a drink or is that like pills? <laughs> it's a drink. Uh, okay, I was going to say, like, what what, you, what do you got? You got Truth, Oxycontin? You never, have you ever been to the anchor, Truth? I don't think so. Oh, you'd be such an anchor guy. <laughs> I would, look, best. I would love to go to all these places. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, it's been a while since I've been in that yeah. area. Yeah, we gotta get you like back up to the five, North Shore six years. For a night. Yeah, we need you here for one night. All right. <laughs> nice. All right. I think that covers it all, huh? Yeah. Man. <laughs> CJ yeah. says those aren't the only painkillers <laughs> going on at the anchor. Very true. I thought uh, you were talking about like Demerol or Klodopin or something like no, that. No, it's like a pineapple, vodka, some sort of punch drink. It's delicious. Kill your pain. Uh, yeah, it kills pain. Kills pain. And then causes a whole lot more the next day. Nice. Love it. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. That was a fun projection show. Another marathon. But, man, all the teams in the books, baby. So, as always, guys, this will be updated as part of the 2022 Investing Guide, which will be launched right around training camp. So, keep your eyes peeled. These will be updated by then and updated throughout the summer. I think in around 20 bucks or so for the projections of the guide. I think that's a fair price. Um, and, and, you know, last year we recommended – it was a great guide. We had a cup in there. We had a lot of the – the league winners as picks you should go after. So I feel pretty good about winning people money and making 20 bucks well worth your investment is uh, what I'm thinking for the first draft of that. So please keep your eyes peeled for that. If you want to support the site, a free way to support the site is just hitting the thumbs up on your way out. If you haven't done that already, sharing this out with your friends, you can also look for a new series. I'll be doing the projections that pop. I'll be hitting, you know, we obviously just did all the projections of big landscape, but I'm going to be diving into some of those crazy ones. Dalvin cook as the RB one. Hunter Renfro over 100 catches. Allen Robinson, top 10 receiver. You know, I'm going to be doing a quick little hit video on some of those crazy videos. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And otherwise, you can find me at Roto Street Wolf. This man's the truth. I am um, the truth. It's true. Yeah. And you can find all our written content at RoadStreetJournal.com, where we breed and feed you fancy wolves. In that world full of fancy sheep, guys, be the wolf. Later, Later guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show.
football right there, folks.